Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. You guys got good music. Hey, man, you got to know the right people, brother. Oh, shoot. We got the same music every single day on Birds 365. <laughs> hey, how are you, streamers? Thank you very much for coming in on Sports Take. You're on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. If you're looking for the smiling face of Rob Ellis, you're not getting that today. Uh, Robbie E is out, so me, Jody Mac, filling in for him. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be out a couple of days on Birds 365, so we're doing the cover each other's backside type thing here. I'm looking forward to spending the next three hours talking to my good buddy, Derek Gunn, who I've never done a show with. I've had him on as a guest many a time. I did guest spots when he was a TV guy over at Comcast Sportsnet, but we never hosted a show together. D-Gunn, this is going to be the three worst, longest hours of your life. I feel badly for you, buddy. Dude, I was just I was just thinking about that. I said, in all the years that we've known each other and cross-referenced each other in this region, we have never sat down and done a show together. This is a historic moment for for better or worse. Go <laughs> 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 <about to> down. <laughs> we'll let Toad decide some three hours down the road whether it was for better or worse. But uh, we are with you for the next three hours. Yeah, longer than uh, I'm used to here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. My little Birds 365 show is two hours to get the hell out the door. Uh, but I'm ready to put in the three hours with my buddy D-Gun today. And uh, as I've noted when I've watched the show, and D-Gun just hammered it home, uh, the c contribution of the streamers is taken much more seriously here on uh, this show than it is on our morning football show. We just didn't start with it at the beginning of the show. Johnny and I had so much crap to say that we never got involved with the streamers. And then a couple of times we mentioned it, people get all, how come you don't mention me? Why are you mad? I said, I'm not going to do streaming all day. I'm sorry. I'm right. not going to do that. But when in Rome, do like the Romans do. So, yes, we will make reference to those of you who comment on the screen, on the stream, as we get through the show over the course of the day couple people already blaming uh, Rob Ellis for the show being late. No, it's not Rob Ellis' fault. It's Jody McDonald's fault. So if you're going to get ticked off at anybody, feel free to get ticked off at me that we started three minutes late. But we still got Dude. two hours and change to chat you guys up on everything going on in the world of sports. And D-Gun, here's where one place where I'm jealous for you guys. We yeah. are Birds 365, and we do Eagles, 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 some NFL, and then back to some more Eagles again. You guys right. get to dance all over the place. Yes, man. We we cover every pertinent topic there is to cover under the sun, basketball, football, 
stadium issues, uh, teams moving to and fro, uh, players making comments. And, and of course, you know, we had Jason Kelsey on yesterday and, and that was, that was a show in itself. Anytime he speaks, you remember the old e- commercial E.F. Hutton when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Oh yeah. That's like Jason Kelsey. When Jason Kelsey talks, you have to listen because he's so insightful. And now that he's on our side, the media side, he's more colorful than ever before. And, you know, I asked him, I asked him one thing I asked him, I said, what did you learn? What have you learned about yourself now that you're on this side of the mic that you didn't care for when you were on the other side of the mic, always being interviewed. And he talked about being prepared. You got to do homework. You got to do research. You got to be prepared. He goes, this ain't, that ain't easy. I said, thank you. That's all we've been trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know you guys did a great interview with him yesterday. And we've got some clips that we'll play for those who missed out on it yesterday. No, it's always available on the Jacob B YouTube channel. You go back and check out the entire interview between Rob and D gun and, and Jason Kelsey. But uh, if you're staying with the stream here with us today, we'll just punch up a couple of very insightful things that Jason Kelsey had to say. Uh, we'll probably do that a little bit later because yeah. we've got Eagles to talk about. We've got the disappearing Philly offense. What the Woo! hell? Where, where did the offense go? They they got out of Oakland with a sweep, but that was more so because the A's offense is as near non-existent as the Phillies have been. And then come home and waste two outstanding starting pitching performances and get nothing done offensively, including no runs through nine innings yesterday. Yeah, we'll talk plenty about the uh, Phillies. But first things first, tracking backwards. Yes, I was on the air at WIP till 3 o'clock in the morning last night, but it was good in that I had something to talk about. I kept my eye on the draft the entire time, and – There were a lot of rumors about the Sixers making a trade for a second-round pick. I even tweeted out three guys that I thought would go in the second round. Truth be told, I didn't think one of them was going to get to the second round. And he did, so he was available. So three guys who I thought would uh, be able to help the Sixers future down-the-road stuff, they couldn't get a second-round pick. So they got none of them. But they got three guys after the fact signed as UDFAs. I know you you know what UDFA stands for, Derek Gunn. Yeah, yeah, because we talk about it in football so much. But think about how many of those actually make it in the NBA. You know, a few of them are lucky. NBA less than the NFL. You're exactly right. I mean, a few of them are lucky if they get to the G League. But for the most part, they go to these training camps with these NBA teams. They find out that, well, right now, this stage of their lives, they better try to latch on with a team over in Europe to enhance their games and then maybe get a chance to come back and get another shot in the uh, uh, NBA. But it, it was so lackluster. You know, Jody, I kept telling Rob uh, throughout the week, he kept saying he was going to watch, or at least have it on his TV, the in, in oh, NBA draft. And I said, I might have it on, but I'm not going to pay attention to it. Sixers have no draft picks. They really have no no bargaining chips. People keep talking about Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris. What do you think you're going to get for Tobias Harris out there in the market? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you and I are on the exact same page with Tobias. But first, let me address your point about the draft, the reason why I paid attention to it. And this did not go on last night, which is different than it has been in the NBA the last several years. Uh, you and I have been watching the NBA for decades. There was no such thing as buying an NBA second round draft pick. You had the pick, you made the pick, or you traded the pick. That's all there was to it. No. Over the last decade or so, it's become commonplace for a team just to purchase a second round pick. 
to write a millions, million, two million, three million for, for its second round pick, depending on the high in the round that you right. get it. Yeah. And I truly believe the Sixers were going to do that last night. A uh, couple of Sixer reporters who I like and I trust said that they had the green light for Joshua Harris, even though it looks like he's going to get that football team. We'll get to that a little bit later as a meeting called for potentially putting the rubber stamp on the new commander ownership. I'd heard that he had given Daryl Morey uh, money to spend on a purchase of a second round draft pick. I really thought they were going to do it. If, if the owner gives you the green light and you're the general manager, why wouldn't you just go out and buy a second round draft pick? They bought nothing. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this then. <clears throat> was, was the night watching the draft well spent in hindsight now? Well, for me, it had to be. I, <laughs> You don't want to hear my other problems and issues that I didn't know I was going to be on WIP last night until about 8 30 and I'm exchanging texts with my uh sister program director and I thought she had rescheduled me for another shift which was going to be next Thursday night she goes oh no tonight I'm sitting here just watching the draft relaxing enjoying it you mean I got to do a show in two and a half hours from now and stay up till three o'clock in the morning yeah that's exactly what I did so I had to watch the draft because I knew I was going to go on the air and talk about it afterwards and what did I get to talk about as far as six or draft picks go zippity doo nothing get one nothing this team is so handcuffed they have no wiggle room if you think about it they can't go out and play you know play monopoly and buy and sell because they don't have the cap space. Right. They don't have the in-house player commodity to make a, a, a wow factor move. Anything that they do is going to be marginal. So I'm sitting here thinking, as exciting as it is to see these young kids, you know, fulfill a lifetime dream of getting their names called, so on and so forth, it has no relevance to me because the 76ers are not players in the draft. So why am I going to sit here and just – stay glued to an NBA draft that does not have any value for what we need it for. Because I really did believe they were going to buy a second round pick. Not that the guy who they were going to get in the second round was going to come in and massively move the needle and make the Sixers a better team next year immediately. But I did think they were going to get at least one. And they of course didn't get any, just so everybody knows, uh, you can check my Twitter at Jody McMahon, J O D Y M A C M A N. The three guys that I put out there were Ryan Rupert, yep. a very athletic wing from France, Euro coming in. Sixers haven't done all that well with Euros, but I, I was ready to go down that road again. Right. Andre Jackson, uh, freak athlete guard for UConn, helped them win the championship this past year and can shoot it from three. And Amani Bates, who, uh, do you recognize that name, D-Gun, Amani Bates? Not that one, no. Gotcha. Two years ago, he was the number one, not top 10, not top five, the number one ranked high school player in the country. He uh, did the whole GED thing and came out a year early to get into college so he could get immediately into the NBA. This kid was owning AAU circuits all over the entire country. Looked like Kevin uh, Durant, six foot 10, skinny as all get out, but could just flat out fill it up, whatever. He went to Memphis for a year. Didn't fit in there. Should have never gone there to begin with. Uh, transferred out, went back to his home state of Michigan, but decided, yeah, I don't want to go to Michigan or Michigan State. Let me go to Eastern Michigan, where he averaged 20 points a game, but his shooting percentage wasn't where it was supposed to be. So he ended up going mid-second round, but the, the potential upside is still great there. How do you go from being the 
best high school player in the country till not getting picked until middle of the second round. That's what happened with Bates. So those were the three guys I threw out, and the Sixers got none of them. And all three of them were picked in the second round, just like I suggested they would be. Yeah, I had some faith that we're going to give us something to sink our teeth into. Are you excited by any of the UDFAs they signed, the undrafted free agents that they were able to come to terms with last night? No, because none of them are going to make the roster. I mean, I don't even know if any of them will make the G League squad, to be honest. They may get one out of there. Well, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here going, okay. And I'm watching the Twitter feed and people are getting frustrated and more frustrated because they're thinking, I don't know. I don't know why people were thinking the Sixers were going to be able to make a definitive move of any kind last night. I really don't because they have nothing basically to play with. The only commodities they really have of, of major interest are Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. They're not getting rid of either one of them. So outside of that, who are you getting rid of? Is anybody trading you for Niang? Is anybody tra- trading you for, for Tobias? P.J. Tucker? I mean, even though P.J. got a three-year deal here. Is any, really? What do, you, what do you, Jody, I just tell you this. You've been around this market a long time, my man. And I've been here since 1997. You might as well strap yourself in and get ready for what's to come in 23-24 because this Sixers team is going to be like this. They're going to have minor ebbs and flows, but they're going to be like this. They might win 48 games. They They may even find a way to get to 50. But if you think they're going to be a serious contender next year based on this roster we're looking at right now, you live in a pipe dream, my brother. Pipe dream. Uh, you you don't have to sweat it. You and I are seeing it very similarly. Um, I'm actually okay. Well, let, let, let's say this first. Uh, keep up, pay from the inquiries going to jump on with us in less than 15 minutes from now. Looking forward to talking to Keith. Does an outstanding job covering the team for the inquiry. Has for years. He was one of those who was actually – buying into the Tobias Harris could have been traded last night, that there were three NBA teams that had shown interest in Tobias Harris. And I'll address this with Keith when he comes on. I don't know if he actually believed it or if he was sold the bill of goods. It just didn't make any sense to me because they have to find out what's going to happen with Harden first. Because what happens with Harden will dictate what you should be doing with Tobias Harris. Because here has been my game plan all along. And I was, uh, when it when Sam Hickey was hired and they said they needed to restart the franchise and, and take step backwards, take step forwards, I agreed. I bought in. I said, yeah, it's about time for a rebuild. Uh, they they need to, to do just that. Little did I know it was going to be the greatest destruction of a franchise that ever came down and that you had to endure not one, not two, but three full years of complete and utter disgusting basketball with no end in sight. Like, well, when are we, when are we, we going to actually put the car in drive? Sam Pinky can't be found. He's like the Wizard of Oz hiding behind the curtains. So, yeah, I got off the process bandwagon. I might have been on it to the start, but I completely disinherited it and uh, couldn't stand it. But knowing that that's my overall stance... I'd be okay with a flat season next year. 
I would let James Harden walk out the door. If Houston's going to give him money, let him go. No, you can't replace him because they're already capped, so they're only going to clear part of it. So they can't get another $30 million. I'll let James walk out at $30 million plus, bring in your own $30 million. They don't, can't do that. The cap will not allow them to do that. But I would just let James walk, sign the best free agent that you can for 10 to $15 million for a one-year deal. And then you let Tobias Harris play out the last year of his contract, very motivated, wants another deal. You're not giving it to him, but you tell him, go out there and kill it, Tobias, so somebody else can give it to you. And then you just restart the year after. Next year, you just stated 48, 49, 50. Well, you let Harden walk out the door. It's probably more like 42, 43, yep. 44. Yep. They're going to finish fifth, sixth, seventh in the East. They'll still be good enough to make the playoffs. Tyrese, Tobias, Embiid, uh, Nick Nurse, you should be able to at least score a playoff spot. I'm okay with that. I'd be perfectly fine with that. You take your puncher's chance against the higher-ranked seed in the first round, and if you lose, you lose. If you win, guess what? You're back in the second round again. We've never seen that before, only every year for the last seven or eight years. And then you rebuild it the year after. You've got a lot of cap space, and you jump in, and you're the number one player in free agency in the 24-25 season. See, you and I think a lot alike. I've been saying that consistently for the last month. You know what? Bite the bullet. If you bite the bullet now, at least fans go into the upcoming season knowing the product is going to be average as at best. No, 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 no. Average at worst. Because even with, with those three you just mentioned still here, they're still going to be a competitive team. Yep. Now, you look at the teams currently behind them right now, the Knicks and, and, and Cleveland. Knicks and Cleveland are going to give them fits next this season. No problem. But I'm not paying James Harden that kind of money. I'm not for 33 years old. He can fill it up, yes. But does he fit Nick Nurse's scheme, especially with Nick Nurse coming in here and wanting to emphasize defense a lot more than his predecessor, Doc Rivers? I don't see James Harden fitting that mold here. I really don't. If and, you know, And we're going to find out soon enough if James Harden is holding this team hostage right now, trying to leverage them or somebody else for more money. We're going to find that out real soon. If James Harden packs his bags and heads southwest down to Houston or wherever he's going, hey, thank you for your contributions to the Sixers organization. Good luck in your future endeavors as you approach the twilight of your career. But I am not going to cap strap myself signing him to that big contract. And you're looking at the same thing next year. You're exactly right. Let Harden walk. Get rid of that number, okay? Find you a mid-level player to fill the gap who's ever left out there just to fill the role. And you know what? navigate your way through this season and you come out on the other side next summer with a whole lot of cap space and the ability mm-hmm. to do a whole lot more things in the summer of 2024 and the draft next year as well. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think if you keep fooling people that we're trying to win a championship now, well, when the bottom falls out again, you know, Philadelphia as well as I do, they're going to come down on you even harder than they have over the last three years for your lack of ability to get to where Everybody thought this team had a chance to go. And if you, don't, if you don't think playoffs decided, Joel Embiid wins the MVP award. People are talking trash. He's better than Jokic. Don't give me this. Jokic is better. We got the man. He's the best player in the NBA. And then he spit the bit against the Celtics in the playoffs. And guess what? 
There's a whole bunch of people now questioning Joel Embiid. Can we win with Joel Embiid? We might have to think about trading Joel Embiid. No. Don't overreact, folks. And they always do when it comes to postseason play. Joel Embiid is here. Joel Embiid is here to stay. Joel Embiid came up small in the postseason. You want to cut him up for that, feel free. Have at it. Just don't overreact and go, "Uh, he stinks and we should get rid of him and we should do the process all over again. No, that's not what Derek Gunn's saying. That's not what Jody McDonald's saying. You just have a bridge year. You don't worry about improving the team. If you somehow get hot at the playoffs, you don't have to go all that far back in your memory to memorize it. The Phillies did it just six months ago. They got hot at the right time and they got on a nice little run. Maybe that could even happen. Maybe Maxi takes the massive step up and becomes a star player in the league. But if he doesn't, then you win your 40 some odd games and you get picked off in the first round. It's not going backwards. It's not destroying the team like Inky did. You're just taking a minor step back to take what you hope is a major step up in free agency the year after. Um, I think if Joel Embiid wants to leave here after this coming season, that's the only way Joel Embiid gets out of here. And if that is the case, if you don't have that, that cap number of Harden facing you, and if Joel wants to lead, leave, then you still have him at an age where you could get prime value for him next season, if that is the case. Then you move in a different direction, you know. Um, you and I and I and I and I relate this to look at what Utah did to their team. They were a consistent playoff team. They went as far as they could go, which is basically first, second round exit. Then they got the entire team to start over. Maybe that's what the Sixers are going to have to do after this upcoming season. Now, Joel Embiid, to me, is the best individual big talent, big man talent in the NBA. But Jokic makes everybody around him better. Joel does not do that. Jokic makes everybody around him that much better. And Embiid, as we saw in that last game against Boston, basically did a, a David Copperfield act and disappeared. Okay. And, oh, by the way, love the 40-point performances, but you can't balance them with some of those bottom-outs they had, James Harden. you got to be a lot more consistent if you want to be a close-to-max-money-paid player. If that happens here in Philadelphia, it's going to be for one reason, one reason only, because he and Daryl Morey have a bro-fest going, the love-fest, which I don't think is going to be the Sixers' best chance at advancing. All right, coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're hoping to hear from Keith Pompey of the Inquirer. Not only do we want to talk to him about the Sixers, the Tobias Harris could be traded uh, rumors. Didn't think so. Didn't happen. I guess it can still happen, but I'm doubting it. Now now that you got through the draft, uh, you absolutely have to wait till the Harden thing gets decided before you do anything with Tobias. We'll talk to Keith about that. See if he liked any of the UDFAs that they signed last night. Can they actually make the team? And, oh, by the way, if I didn't hear you, D gun. Sorry. UF you said UDAs. I call them UFOs, unidentified flying <laughs> Before you go to break, I just want to remind people also, hey, um, we've challenged our chat family all week long to submit pictures and, and stuff because Rob and, and I and Barrett, we have spent the last year allowing them to 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 laugh at us and to make fun of us. So Tone, if you can put that new email up, we promise you the new email. All right, chat family, here it is. We're going to put this up throughout the course of the show, sportstakejacob at gmail.com. So here's your chance over the weekend. Send your pictures, send your videos of you past and present, anything colorful about yourselves, any embarrassing moments about yourself, 
and all next week, Rob and I will will check him out, and we'll throw some up during the show so we get a chance to make fun of you guys next. Nice. All right? So, again, it's sportstakejacob at gmail.com. Chat family, I don't want any excuses. You got all weekend, starting now, Saturday, Sunday. Get those past, present pictures together, videos, whatever it is, so that we can dissect them and critique them all next week. I'm sorry. Go back. Go back to what you were saying to Mr. McDowell. Oh, just I I can't wait to see this stuff. I, I really am intrigued to see if people will play along. My 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 guess is that they won't. And sorry for our screen. I don't know you guys. Some I see some names I recognize from uh, our virtually 65 show in the morning here on Jacob Media. But if uh, you guys come through and take care of them and actually put yourselves in compromising positions. Oh, I'll be very, very impressed. And D-Gum seems to have confidence in you. that You're going to do just that. We'll see. Get it uh, to the email address that we just had up there on the screen. All right, keep Pape coming up. We'll talk Sixers with him. And oh, by the way, other moves around the NBA. I got bad news, Sixer fans. I think the Celtics made a hell of a deal getting Porzingis and future considerations. I know they're going to lose their heart and soul. Market smart. Who's going to step in and do that? Well, that's why they're paying uh, their two superstars that much money. They got to take command of that team. Uh, The Chris Paul deal, the Bradley Beal deal. Oh, there's a bunch of really potential top of the NBA draft effect deals that were made. We'll get Keith Pompey of the Inquirer's thoughts on all of that. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Jordan McDonald in for Rob Ellis. We appreciate you streaming in here on Sports Day. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it.
again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Friday edition of Sports Take here on Birds 365. You recognize him. That would be Derek Gunn. Uh, sitting next to him today, at least as per Steve Ike on the stream, Rob Ellis is aged. What the hell happened to his hair? And the unbelievable capabilities to be able to, uh, to get this kind of facial hair in 24 hours is outstanding. Good job, Robbie. Oh, man. I told you, man, this chat is off the charts, man. Um, hey, just again to remind everybody, send your videos, pictures in this weekend at sportstake at gmail.com. Sportstake at gmail.com. Uh, I can't wait to see some of these videos next week. So, you people have all week to get it in. Sportstake at gmail. Uh, whoa, is Sportstake Jacob? Wait, Sportstake Jacob at gmail. There we there go. There it is. Sportstake Jacob, Jacob at gmail.com. Get those videos in. I cannot wait to see some of this stuff. You people got it coming. You've been ripping us for the last year. It's our terms now. That sounds like fun. Uh, I will be checking it out if you guys get some decent responses. They're funny. I like the guys on your stream here. That's uh, a little, little cynicism about uh, Rob Ellis aging before your very eyes. Yeah, that is the case. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll see if you come up big and uh, able to poke a little fun at yourself on the Gmail with these guys. Come next week. All right. Uh, hoping to hear from Keith Pompey about the NBA last night. Everyone knew that Victor Wambanyama was going to be the number one player in the draft. He's the most hyped guy. There since. he is. There he is. All right. He's ready to join. It says Keith Pompey. He looks What's like that, he's yeah. out uh, ready to uh, hang with the boys in the in the hood. Where are you uh, uh, streaming from, Pompey? Well, you know what? It's funny because, like, when when I when I saw that you guys wanted me to come on the show, I literally just dropped my daughter off at Paul the Six High School. Oh, there um, you go. So she could do yeah, so she could do some volleyball lessons. So, yeah. oh, wow. nice. So look yeah. at you, man. That's that's what modern technology can do for us. Years ago, we wouldn't be able to join people's shows anywhere on the planet. Now we can be anywhere. High schools, shopping at them all. Yeah, I've been shopping at them all, pushing the cart and joining people's shows before, man. So modern technology has enhanced our ability to do a lot of great things, man. Well, I apologize, though, about this because I was like, Dude, oh, my God, where can I drive good. to? Where can I drive to? Where can I drive to? That looks good. No, man. Right. Look, I asked you at the last minute, and I, and I apologize for doing that. And I just nah, appreciate good. you giving us the time, man. I really do. Oh, anytime. I love coming on the show. Appreciate I you, just. Bro. Didn't didn't recognize the background at uh, Paul the Sixth, which I should because my daughter was a hoop player for Cherokee over in Malton, so I've spent hours in the Paul the Sixth oh, okay. gym. I just don't uh, recognize the wall in the background. Uh, all right, uh, so you were busy last night. And your daughter's got you out running around today. The Sixers 
did not acquire a second round pick. Were they not for sale, Keith Pompey? I thought for sure they were going to get one because if Josh Harris says, all right, here's the money, go get yourself somebody. They leaked out the video of the spots in the draft. They thought they could actually acquire somebody. They didn't get any. What the hell happened? Yeah, that's, you know, it's crazy that they, you know, because it's one of those things where it's letting you know that there was a lot of uh, second round picks to be, you know, to be acquired that they could have acquired. You know, a, a lot of things. It's funny. I, I was talking to an executive, and not with the Sixers, but with a, a team. And I said, do you think the Sixers will be able to get one? And he said, Keith, it, it's probably going to be competitive because there's going to be a lot of teams that, that have the money right now. And there's going to be a lot of spots to take. So it's going to be up to how, like the highest bidder, so to speak. But, you know, I, I guess it comes down to a thing like I would hate to speak because Daryl didn't speak yet. So it's one of those things where you look at it like, okay, well, let's see how if this guy is sliding, maybe we can hold off and see if he goes, and then you can take it from there. But I'm with you, Jody. I I was expecting them to make a splash. Um, I know they didn't have any draft picks, but to at least, you know, pay the two or or $3 million it would take to get someone and and have that person be, you know, end of the rotation or – you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, just someone who can help them out. Okay, so since they didn't do anything, and you try to be as optimistic as you can, uh, and, and we have to take that into consideration, but in, in all honesty, how do you perceive this team now? I mean, there's still time between now and the time to go to – but see, I, and as I said before the break you weren't on, I think people need to settle it. Now, this is my opinion, and I want to hear your expert opinion on this. Mm-hmm. You're much closer to this team than I am. I think people need to settle in and come to the resolution that this team is going to be like this all season long. They may have a few ebbs and flows. They'll be good enough to get in the back door of the playoffs, but they're not going to be any better. They're not. I I agree 100% with you. Now, here's the thing about this team. The NBA, let's be honest, there are probably in the Eastern Conference, there's going to be five teams that are going to be a notch above everyone else. The 76ers are going to be in that in, in, in that uh, in that group of five, right? This this question is, are will are they good enough to go to get out of the second round? You know, you look at it, you know, you always compare yourself to Boston. You see the moves that Boston are making. You yep. you see where, you know, you believe that the Milwaukee Bucks, they have a new coach, but they're also going to bring back players. They're going to do whatever they can to get these guys back. So you look at it and you see some changes that are being made around the 76ers. And like you said, it's the same team. And they may get some new roads players, but they don't have a lot of money for these to be guys that you're saying, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to get headlines, so to speak. You know what I mean? They're not going to be the the, the top of the news. You know, they're not talking about that. So, yeah, I think the Sixers are going to be good. But I think that when people start talking about championships, I think is a little bit of a stretch right now. Yeah. All right, Keith, I saw your report leading up to yesterday's draft that there were a handful of teams in the NBA that had sincere interest in Tobias Harris. And if the deal could come down leading up to the draft, during the draft, something along those lines, Tobias Harris still here. Was it because the Sixers had too big a price tag on him? Was the interest that the other teams had just like, yeah, if you're going to give them to us, we'll take them off your hands and eat the cap money, but you're going to have to take our bad player back. 
Tobias Harris still here didn't happen. As best you can tell, as per your sources and what you heard, why didn't the deal get done? Basically, um, be, because of the 76ers price tag was too high. Really? I mean, it, yeah, it was, it was extremely high. Like, there were teams out there that really wanted Tobias. Like, I mean, they wanted a veteran, you know, teams that saying, look, right now we're not a winning team or, you know, we want to make the playoffs. We have a bunch of draft picks, but right now we're tired of doing this. We need to get a veteran guy in here. And they wanted Tobias, right? But they couldn't, like I talked to one guy, he said, Keith, we just couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford him. Like we didn't have enough. And the reason why they didn't have enough is because what the Sixers wanted, they wanted, you know, a pick, of course, but they also wanted two, like, not role players. They wanted two, like, uh, integral pieces to a team's, you know, uh, to a team. And people weren't kind of willing to give that up. Like, that's why they were saying what they're asking for is outrageous. When you think back to last summer or two summers ago with, with Ben Simmons around the same time, it was one of those things where they wanted a team's top young stars and they wanted all their draft picks. So that is not, I'm not saying they wanted the same with Tobias, but what they wanted is they wanted like quality pieces. In addition to the quality pieces, they wanted a draft pick. So, so Keith, when you posted that story about the potential of Tobias moving and several teams being out there, did you believe that the Sixers could get quality back in return for him? Or did you go in with the mindset of, if the Sixers just want to move out from under his number, his cap number, they're going to have to take what they can get for Tobias Harris. Yeah, I know what it is. When 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 I was talking to people, I got to the point where what I took from it is the Sixers had no intention of trading Tobias Harris. Mm-hmm. Really, I got what it was. It was like one of those things. You ever hear like you hear this thing where they say people um, keep moving the goalposts back? Like yep. it's kind of like the team thinks that they're going to get a deal. But it's one of those things where then the Sixers say, well, we want this, we want this. But to me, it was one of those things where they knew that this team was not willing to give up something. Now, if they gave up what the Sixers asked for, then okay, well, oh, oh yeah, 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 you can have Tobias. Yeah, take them off of us. But, 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 it, but, but I look at it right now that the 76ers had no intentions of trading them because they don't know what James is going to do. And yep. of all the assets that the 76ers have, Tobias Harris is the only one that they're willing to move, right? They're not willing to move Maxie. They're not willing to move uh, Joel Embiid. You know, so if, if right now, if you trade Tobias and what you're going to get is because teams are looking at him as a fourth option, you're probably going to get back what you get for a fourth option, right? Yep. So if you get rid of him now and then you get rid of James Harden, then all of a sudden, you know, they're not no, they're no longer in that group of five. So I think what the Sixers were doing is they were like, hey, if you can give us something that's going to make us better, even if we lose James, yeah, we'll do that. But nah, we're not trading them. And now they entertain the phone conversation, but nah, they weren't, they weren't trying to trade Tobias. All right. So here's the next nat- natural step you got to take in the line of thought. If the Sixers were putting an unachievable price on Tobias, that they didn't really want to trade him. Is it more because they think they're getting Harden back 
And I think the same group can, for some reason, under a new coach, Nick Nurse is going to come in and cure all ills, and all of a sudden they're going to be able to get past a Milwaukee and a Boston. Or is it the fact that they're thinking about letting Harden walk out the door, and if Tobias is back on a last year of the deal, he leaves at the end of the season, clear a lot of the cap. D-Gun and I were running this down earlier. We'd both be okay with kind of a bridge year, Take your shot without Harden. Let all everybody play hard. Win your forty-five games and finish sixth in the East. But be the major player in free agency the year after. Is there any chance that the Sixers are thinking along those lines? You know what I, I think. You know, is I think both of those things have you know those scenarios come up right. But I also think like the real thing is with them is I think that well one is like they think that they were so close. They feel like, you know, if they had a great fourth quarter in game six, instead of the way it ended up, that they would have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, you look at Tobias Harris and you look at Nick Nurse, and Nick Nurse likes Tobias Harris. He looks at Tobias being six eight, six nine, you know, being like the type of guy that he had in Toronto that he had a lot of success with. And the thing is, when you look at a guy like a Pascal Siakam, right now you say, yo, who's better? Is Tobias Harris better than Pascal Siakam? You'll say no. Pascal Siakam's a better player, two-time All-Star, right? But three years ago, Tobias Harris was hands down the better player. But what happened is Nick Nurse developed him. So I think that you have that aspect. And also it's kind of like one of those things, Jody, where it's – they feel like, like, again, they feel like they were close. You have Nick, you have Nick Nurse in here now, and you don't want to give up Tobias until you know exactly what James Harden is going to do. Really, you don't. And another thing is, Nick Nurse, think about it. He didn't hide from anything. When, when that introductory press conference came out, he was like, hey, we, we're going to talk about getting out of the second round. We're not, I know that, that's going to be the first thing in training camp. So you mean to tell me you get Nick Nurse up in here and then all of a sudden he's taking this job knowing well that the last two coaches got fired because they couldn't get out of the second round. And you mean to tell me you don't know what James is going to do? And now you got rid of Tobias for some role players? Nah, like you, you understand what I'm saying? So I, I think that has a lot to do with it. The Sixers don't have a lot of options, man. So whatever they do, they got to make sure that this is 100% right. What, what's your gut feeling? You think James is coming back? I, I'm still on the fence. And I'm you, and you and I have talked about this before with Rob Ellis. I'm, I'm all for telling James, hey, thank you for services. <laughs> Good luck in future endeavors. Do you think he's coming back? You know what? I'm on the fence, too. You know, like, like yeah. I said, I told you a month ago, Talking to everybody I spoke to, I was like, hey, I, I think James is going. Now I'm like, then last a couple of days ago, I'm like, oh, he's coming back. But then to me, you know, we know how it all goes. You know, people get desperate or, or the reels get, I mean, people say what they're not going to give you and what they're not going to do up until that 11th hour, right? Especially when there's competition. See, it was funny. Before it was one of those things where James was going to get a max from both teams, whatever. You know, going to Houston sound great. You know, you, you, you're going home, you're doing this, you're doing all that stuff. 
no state income tax, you know, the whole thing, all that sound great. Yeah. Then, all, yeah. then all of a sudden, you know, the Sixers realized that, hey, well, guess what? We're, we're not going to overpay for them. We're not going to hinder our short or long, long-term future, right? That's what they said. Then all of a sudden, Houston's like, ah, we don't know if we want to give them more than two years. And then you have other things come out, like, you know, players, like, like for instance, when Jalen Green went on the uh, Paul George podcast, and then and you guys been in sports for a long time. And when you have one guy host saying, hey, I don't know if he's a good fit for you. You're just sitting there like shaking your head like, oh, I don't really want to say something. Sometimes it's like the guy is putting out, putting out, uh, the, a mo- uh, putting out a, a, you know, a vibe for you. So yeah. with all that being said, I don't know, man. I'm with you, Derek Degon. I think like it's one of those things where, you know, it's going to come down to whoever probably gives them the most money now. That's how I feel. Wow. I right, Keith, uh, need your take on the other things that happened around the NBA leading up to the draft last night. Biggest one that will have an impact on the Sixers is the Boston Celtics deal, three-way deal with uh, Memphis and, and Washington. The Celtics end up with Kristaps Porzingis, who while I readily admit I'm not sure about the fit in Boston, but I know the player's talent and two first-round draft picks for Marcus Smart. How do you get Porzingis and two ones for Marcus Smart, one of which they had the chance to use last night. They traded out of it. But a future first-round pick from Golden State coming next year as well. Man, the Celtics were better than the Sixers last year, and I think the Celtics got better both short-term and long-term. Makes it that much tougher for the the Sixers going into 23-24. Am I overstating what Porzingis can do for the Celtics? You, you, you're not. And and the reason being is, like, like when we look at Porzingis, right, and, and I'll, let's put it out there, right, we look at him, he might be one of the biggest disappointments in the league, like the way his career has panned out. Like, And what I mean by that, he, you know, everybody talked about the Sixers messed up because they didn't draft him, right? They still should have drafted but But the thing is, he went from being an all-star in New York. He had the injuries. He goes to Dallas. It doesn't work out there. He goes to Washington. They trade him to Boston. For the first time, for the first time, he's not going to be a one or a, a first or a second option. He's mm-hmm. going to be a third or a fourth option. And when you have him, the thing that the thing is, so you look at it, it's kind of like saying Tobias Harris as a fourth option, right? You look at Przingis as a third option the same way, making a lot of money. But now what you can do is you can move Jason Tatum down to the three. You can move at all the time because sometimes he plays the four. Then you can have um, Jalen Brown playing the two. And then so Przingis could be the four to five. But then the thing that is Marcus Smart was the heart and soul of the team. Right. That's but right. he wasn't a real – but he wasn't a point guard, although he played point guard. Malcolm Brogdon is a solid player. So when you look at it, I feel like with Christoph Persinga's shooting, what that's going to do is it's going to open up more things for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So Ooh. that's what it is. You just got a big space setter – I mean, a, a, a space maker for these for this team. And when we look at it, 
you don't look at him as a guy that has to carry a team, a guy that has to beat you. He's just going to be a complimentary player to them. So with that, I have to say that it's going to work out. Also, another thing is now Al Horford doesn't have to play as many minutes, right? So now you have a shooter, and then you have a defender in Robert Williams, and then you have Malcolm Brogdon, who's a better offensive player than Marcus Smart. And now people forget Malcolm Brogdon is also a quality defender. So I like it for Boston. I mean, I know people in Philly don't, but I like it for Boston. That, that's a big risk, though, when you look at Porzingis' history, man, and, and how many games he's missed over the latter part of his career. I mean, you're right. He'll give you 20 points, but, but you don't know how long you're going to have him, um, you know, on a court, you know, season in and season out. So you, so if I'm if I'm listening to what you're saying, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, you think this move? I mean, you, I couldn't agree with you more. I said it yesterday. Marcus Smart was the heart and soul of this team. He was a verbal leader. He is a complete player on both ends of the court, plus an incredible passer as well. But you think this move is making Boston better uh, without Smart? You know what? I, I think that. You know, here's the thing, like in in a perfect world, do you want to keep Marcus Smart? Yes, you do. But I feel like the problem is when you look at this, this Boston Celtics team, it reminded me of an AAU team with two McDonald's All-Americans on the team and they really didn't get along, right? I mean, seriously, you know, they would come down in the first half. It was, you know, Jason T- uh, Jalen Brown's uh, time. And then the second half was Jason Tatum. But they never really had another offensive guy out there who you could really key on or, or like, like take the pressure off of him. I yeah. just feel like having him out there with them is going to free them up and they're going to be able to play. Believe it or not, it's like um, a, 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 his, his offense is uh, – the addition of his offense is just going to make – provide probably more balance. I do believe that. I think it is. And also, see, we got to understand something. Yes, Marcus Smart is – Marcus Smart, losing him is you lose the heart and soul. But look at the coaching staff they're starting to get now. I mean, yeah. Sam Cassell, we saw what it was like for him with the Sixers. We saw yeah. how he got in guys' faces. He was the one that did stuff. You know, he's a guy who's very well respected. They yeah. also got some other coaches. So I, I feel like um, that they picked up – I feel like, honestly, that – the Belston Celtics are going to be better. I do. Because, see, people forget what they did is at the trade deadline, remember, they, they went out there and tried to get Mike Muscala, the guy yep. who played for the Sixers, the big who could stretch the floor. He, he They put him in there. He couldn't make any shots. They thought that he was going to help them and be able to free things up. Now, they thought he was going to do it off the bench. Now they, got, now they have Persingas, who's bigger than him, who's a better shooter, and he's probably going to be the best three-point shooter on the team. So, you know, I, I think that I think that's going to help him out, y'all. I, I really do. I think this week's going to make them a, a better team. Yeah, I think uh, he just likes him because of his initials, KP. I think that's why the poor Stingers guy. Uh, you mentioned uh, players not necessarily getting along. So Jordan Poole becomes an ex-Golden State Warrior. Was it because... He couldn't get along with Draymond Green without getting popped in the face. Was it because I'm not sure he could cover you, me, or D-Gun and actually stop us, defensive sieve, 
Or was it, yeah, they gave him the big money and then thought better of it and said, listen, we didn't take Chris Paul. We're going to have to live with him for a year, figure out a way to make him work in the offense. But the year after that, his money's not guaranteed. We can move on. And we got years to go at $30 million plus for Poole. I'm sure it's a combination of the three. What do you think is the biggest reason Poole was dealt? Teammates, I, I, money, or defense? I, I think I, I'm with you with the combination of the three. Now, the thing that I heard, you know, a lot of people were upset when, when Draymond hit him. But some people said that Jordan Poole, you know, sometimes guys get that money and then all of a sudden they start thinking they have a, you know, a, a higher opinion of themselves. And I feel like that he suffered a little bit of that, right, from what you hear. Now, again, I wasn't in the locker room. I wasn't around a lot. But I'm just going by what other reporters have told me and people have told me that, right? But also when you look at it, I also think that sometimes guys get paid. And, and I remember an executive told me this before. You got to be careful who you pay because some guys get paid and what it is is it elevates their game. Other guys get paid and it kind of like impacts their game and negatively. Mm-hmm. I felt like with Jordan Poole, it impacted them a little bit negatively. I felt like he was a guy who was out there that when you looked at it, he really didn't make them much better. What he did is he felt like I'm getting paid, so I need to take these shots. And sometimes he shot them out of the game. Think about the playoff games they lost where you're like, really? Jordan Poole got the last shot? You yep. know what I mean? So when I think when you do that, where you, you're paying him all this money, um, he doesn't know his role anymore, and he the, the, the ego or whatever could get in the way a little bit, sometimes it is – Sometimes you got to let it go, and then but but yeah, you get Chris Paul, and it is freeing money off the cat. Yeah, but, but but Keith, I don't get putting Chris Paul with Golden State because you're putting in Edsel with a lot of Ferraris, man. I mean, they love to get up and down the court in a hurry. That's not Chris Paul's game. I can't wait to see how that mesh or doesn't mesh. I mean, because both sides have to give in terms of their overall game to make him fit there. Yeah, you know what, and, and it's funny too, like, because when that, that tr- trade was made, I'm thinking like, okay, maybe something else is going to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, who knows? Because, you know, the, the, the thing about it is, to to us, I mean, to me, it was either we're going to trade him to the Clippers or, or, or we're going to try to hope and pray the Lakers come get him or we're going to waive him, right? And I'm wondering if if Golden State is was was considering the same thing, because this is he's in a in a, in the final year of his deal, right? The final year of his deal, and and it's, it's like you can cut him and he can go. Now again, I don't know what the deadline is for yeah. with the the guarantees and all this and that, but you know I I, I just you're right. I can't see him in the starting lineup with those two. Now, can he come off the bench for a little bit and then you can have him in there and then hope and pray somebody needs him. And then after the period comes where you can sign him, then you can go to the Lakers and say, look, what y'all going to give us or go to the Clippers. What are y'all going to give us? But yeah, I'm with you. It doesn't make a fit. But to me, it seemed more like they were just willing that they just want to get Jordan Poole out of there. All right, KP, last one. Um, opinion slash info that you've gotten people that you've talked to since last night. Sixers signed three undrafted free agents to split contracts and one to an exhibit 10 deal. 
which I had to look up last. I didn't even know what the hell an Exhibit 10 deal was, which is less than a split contract, okay? It means he's going to really have to show out when he shows up to even get a spot with the G League squad. Who do you think has got the best chance of making the team? Who do your sources tell you the Sixers were most excited about getting signed after he's passed over in the draft? You know, the, the one guy, the, the council guy um, from Arkansas, I, you know, excuse me, I, I forgot his last, his first name. I mean, right now, so I think it's Ricky, it's Ricky Council. Yes. So him, he's a, he, he's exciting, right? He's really exciting. Um, you know, athletic. He went to Wichita State, you know, which has a phenomenal basketball pro, uh, program, you know, in, in his own right. And then he transfers to, you know, Arkansas. He's really athletic. Now, the one thing is the guy that is the wild card, and I don't think any of these guys are going to be guys that the Sixers are saying, okay, we're going to make you a rotation dude. But the wild card is the Marcus Bagley guy. But the thing about him is, you know, he's a guy who only played 17 games in three years at Arizona State because of injury. He played two games this year. He got injured. But then he got into a little social media rift with the coach, which mm-hmm. doesn't go well and ultimately led to him being no longer with the team. So to me, that's a guy that it looks like he's extremely athletic. He stays injured prone. What we're doing is, and what Exhibit 10 is, is one of those things is what we're going to do is we're going to, if, if you, we're, you're going to get a, you're going to get a, a, a training camp invite, basically, right? You, but we're going to waive you. But if you basically play for our G League team, you'll make more money with our G League team than you would with any other G League team. Now, mm. the one thing about that people need to know about the Sixers and the two-way contract, they have yet to have a guy sign a, uh, a two-way contract and finish the season with the Sixers. Like, I'm talking wow. about sign it in the beginning of the season or before the season and finish. Daryl Morey brings them in, they look at them, get a good look, and then they move on from them and you bring in somebody else, right, on that two-way. So that's one of those things where, you know, people have to, you know, be conscious of, like, they're going to evaluate these guys to see what they can do, but they have yet to have a guy, you know, they might have kept them in the system, kept them on on the G League team afterwards, but they have yet to have a guy start the season, on a, on a two-way contract and finish the season still on that two-way contract. Something to watch out for. Oh, and the Summer League will be here before we know it. Pompey be going out to Vegas. He won't be standing in front of a brick wall. He's be in front of uh, slot machines the next time uh, D-Gun gets it back here on Sports Take. Uh, Keith, thanks much. Appreciate your coming out a couple Appreciate of minutes you, for us. We'll be following you and all your six reporting in the Inquirer. Thanks for doing it with us this afternoon. And thanks for having me, y'all. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. More than welcome, man. Thank you. Keith Pompey of the Inquirer giving us the six insight here on Sports Take. All right, he's Derek Gunn, in case you haven't figured it out. I'm not Rob Ellis. Rob Ellis will be hey, back next baby. week. We're not. Who's a – yeah, somebody took a shot at me. Barbara Council, where is – and I think I recognize her name from uh, Barbara Carroll. Um, yep. Man, she wants Rob back in the worst way. I don't know if she's got the hots for Rob or she just can't see me. It's one, of, one of the two for sure. She's like, please tell me Rob will be back here on Monday. I'll tell you right now, Rob will be back here on Monday. So you don't have to. Oh, man. Day. 
I uh, Jody McDonald in for Rob Ellis with De- D-Gun. We are Sports Take. We'll come back, continue streaming right into your house next. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles It is Sports Take here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel Hour number two Jody Mackin for Rob Ellis D-Gun hanging in the house We thank Keith Pompey for joining in And giving us uh, his sixer take I think the most interesting thing That uh, Keith had to say was He believes the Sixers set an unrealistic price tag on Tobias Harris that they said, all right, yeah, we'll trade him. If you'll give us your best player, your top three draft. Uh, Tobias Harris has been, uh, let me, uh, for the sports tech audience who don't catch me on WIP or anywhere else, I'll just explain my stance on Tobias Harris. 
Tobias Harris is a good player. He's a borderline very good player. He's being paid as if he's a great player. And because of that, yeah, I don't think Philadelphia fans are too high on him. Sixers fans aren't too high on him because he was in the right place at the right time. They had the good run. Kawhi Leonard dropped it off the rim four times before it went in and then and eliminated the Sixers in the second round. And Jimmy Butler was like, you guys think more highly of Ben Simmons than me? Well, I'm getting the hell out of here then. So they really needed to keep Tobias Harris because they didn't want to see it become just Ben and Joel and we got to rebuild it everywhere else. So they overpaid him. And they probably knew they overpaid him, but they wanted to keep him. Well, he's being overpaid and he doesn't live up to his contract. But because of that doesn't mean he sucks. Because there are some Sixer fans that I take calls from on WIP and tweets on Twitter. He's awful. He, he, get him out of here. He's well bum. And no, he's none of those things. He's a good player. Borderline, very good. Just doesn't live up to his contract. It sounds like the Sixers were asking for, oh, yeah, he's worth every penny he's making. What do you mean? He's a bargain at $35 million. Here's what we're going to need from this, that, and the other thing. They didn't really want to trade him, D-Gun. Well, I, I think they wanted to trade him if they got what they were looking for, according to what Teeth was saying. They went fishing, and no fish took the bait. I mean, you think about it, Jody, historically, we've seen multitudes of trades that were lopsided and we sit back and go, I can't believe this trade went down. Prime example, look at the hall Seattle got for Russell Wilson from Denver. And you're saying, that's ridiculous. Look how much that trade helped Seattle build a team that turned out to be a surprising playoff team. You look at how Russell under Nathaniel Hackett fell by the wayside and played like a Russell Wilson we had never seen before. You know, um, those things happen. The Sixers tried. It didn't work. So what do you do? Well, you, if you bring them back, it does make you a little bit better. I think the biggest frustration with Sixers fans with, with Tobias Harris is this. He will give you 22, 25, 28 points one night and come back and score 12 points the next night. There's no consistency in his game. You know, the players that are the better players in the league, they will accidentally score 20 points a night, whether their team wins or loses. You know you can count on them for X amount of production um, in a game. You can't say that with Tobias. Tobias has all the talent, all the attributes to be an above-average, consistent player in the NBA. Hasn't shown it yet. So I don't blame the Sixers for, for trying to throw the bait out there just to see what they could reel in. Unfortunately, it was a bad day of fishing for the Sixers. So let me ask you this Sixer question. And don't worry, uh, Phillies fans, Eagle fans, D-Gun and I are going to get there. But we started with Sixers and Keith was good enough to come on with us. So we're a little heavy-handed Sixers here. Um, the Sixers this past year won 54 games. I think yep. most people don't even realize that they won 54 games. 54 games is pretty damn good. They were three games behind the Celtics, four games behind the Bucks. So they were the third best team in the East, but yep. they were three games ahead of the Cavs. 54 is a damn good number. Yep. Do they think just by bringing Tobias back, Maxi taking a step up, bringing Harden back, that G uh, nurse in for Doc Rivers is going to make this a 58, 59, 60 win team that they can win the Eastern Conference? Are they putting that many eggs in Nick Nurse's basket that if they bring the team back as is, run it back, 
keep the band together. Do they really think they can improve by five or six games and contend for the top of the East? No, I, I think they believe with, with their back, they can get to 50, 52 wins again or, or close to what they got last year, which is good enough to get them a higher seed. But it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make them a much better team. It'll make them a good regular season team. But when you, you start locking and loading for the playoffs and you know who you're going up against, doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to help them to get a deeper run. But if they bring back Harden, it's gonna ha- it's gonna handcuff again next year. Even if they even if they get out from under Tobias Harris's deal after this season, which he's in the final year of that deal, they're still gonna have that big number you know, looking at them if they keep bring Harden back. That said, if you let Harden go, this team is still as with Maxi with Embiid as your as your prime three players. Um, you're gonna take a step back in the standings a little bit, but you're still gonna be a playoff team and. I would say I would look forward to next season a lot more, next offseason a lot more, knowing that you don't have to worry about having James Harden here for an additional year going into 24-25 in terms of trying to build this thing the right way. You look at the Sixers, they built it okay to a certain point. The draft picks they had when they were going through the process, all of them floundered except MB. All of them floundered. But they were still good enough to construct a 54-win team this past season. Just not good enough to get to where they want to go. They could do right, that so with. Let me, I think they could do that without Harden. Well, I hope they try and do it without Harden, but we shall see. Uh, uh, one, one other NBA take I want to get in with you before we uh, kind of branch off into the Phillies. Immediately after the draft came down, or I should say, after the third pick of the draft came down, Scoot Henderson stud scoring point guard who was in the G League last, last year. I heard a lot of people say if Victor Wombanyama wasn't in the draft, he had a chance to be the number one pick in the draft and a yeah. legit number one pick in the draft as compared to other years. He didn't even go number two in the draft, but that might just be a uh, Charlotte wanted a specific match and didn't think there was that big a difference between Miller and, and Scoot Henderson. He's got a game, Scoot Henderson does, that's kind of similar to Damian Lillard. So the speculation began, it actually began before they ever made the pick. If the Portland Trailblade takes Scoot Henderson, can Scoot Henderson and Dame Lillard coexist in the same backfield and some uh, backcourt? Some people say no. So the speculation of Dame is going to be moved by Portland was running rampant last night, continuing today. You know it's going to be asked of the Sixers, too, because if Dame's going to uh, get dealt, he's going to want to go to a team that's got a chance to make a championship run. They add his talents, and that makes them a legit championship contender, which I would suggest the 76ers could fall into that category. If you were Daryl Morey and Portland asked for Tobias Harris, you got to put Tobias in a deal because uh, Dame makes a lot of money and you got to get the money close. And Tyrese Maxey, both Maxey and Tobias Ooh. Harris for Dame Lillard. Ooh. Would you do that if you were the 76ers? Ooh, ooh. wow. That, that's a, man, that's a, that's a tough one. It's a good question. I mean, Lillard, Lillard's 32 now. Man, uh, he's making up 43 million. 
He just made $43 million. Man, that, that, that's a tough one. I don't know. I like the prospects of seeing Maxi continue to grow. As much as I love Lillard, and I know a lot of people were screaming about it, um, I think this team needs to get younger and more athletic. You know, I, I do think Lillard gives them a bigger scoring punch, yes. But, man. I don't. I don't know if I want to move Maxi. I need. I need to see the kid. I want to see him grow with Embiid. Have another year with Embiid to see him take this game to that next level. Uh, and I know. I know some people will say emphatically, yes. If you trade those two players for Lillard, whew, it's hard to pass up. But then you know you're taking on his hefty contract as well. You, you if you let Harden go. And you let Lillard and you let to um, Maxi go as well, because that's going to be the price. Everybody's going to want Dame Lillard, yeah. but they're going to want Portland to just hand him over. And oh, well, right. we'll give you Tobias Harris. The money's close. No, no, no. Tobias Harris for Dame Lillard. I don't care how high the Sixers set the price for Tobias Harris. You're not getting Dame Lillard back for Tobias Harris unless no, there's another no. significant piece in there. No. They don't. They can't even trade their first round draft picks. So there's only one piece that's going to make that happen, and it's Tyrese Maxey. If you want a superstar, and Dame Lillard is of the superstar level, if you want him, you got to pay, and the price is Maxey. You're not doing it, are you, D-Gun? I'm not leaning towards because the, I think the big question is, as, as good of a player as Lillard is, does he fit what Nick Nurse wants to do with this team? That's, that's, that's to me, the biggest question. Does he fit what, what they want to do? Because if not, the nurse is going to have to change his mindset and, and to accommodate Lillard as well as trying to still have Joel and B be the focal point of this team. You know, and you don't know if it's going to work. Just because it looks good on paper doesn't mean it, it, it looks good in theory when you apply the method on the court. That's, that's a tough one, man. I mean, that's something you have to sit back and analyze for a while and, and not just give – an inst instant fan reaction to that possible move. And there were reports last night that uh, tried to get in touch with Dame Lillard mm -hmm. as to if he was okay with playing with Scoot Anderson. Is he going to demand a trade? What's going to be his reaction? He took complete low profile. Guys who can usually get a hold of him and get a quote out of him couldn't do it. He was incognito last night. So that's going to only add more fuel to the fire. But mark yeah. my words, they'll be... Rumors about Dame Lillard going everywhere for the next week, and I would not be surprised if the Sixers are one of them. All right. We haven't touched on the baseball team here in town just yet, and that would be the oh. Philadelphia Phillies, who yesterday, I know you guys were on at the same time the game was on, so you're probably watching it over your shoulder, got a monitor in front of you, and hey, while you were on the air, D-Gun, you didn't miss any Phillies offense because there was no Phillies offense, so you didn't miss anything. I'm ticked off. I missed that game, Jody. And, and anybody who knows me, and I was talking about this earlier this week, I'd much rather watch an incredible pitching duel than watch a 8-7, 10-9, 11-9 type ball game. You know, I'm old school when it comes to that, man. I came up in an era watching some of the greatest pitchers that ever pitched a game. And I just love a good pitching duel. And that was a classic yesterday for nine innings in terms of being a pitcher's duel. To me, that was the best game Aaron Nola pitched all season. Yep. I mean, you hold this Atlanta team scoreless. I mean, think about it. Atlanta, I believe, is, the, is, is it Atlanta or is it Arizona? I can't remember. One of those teams is the only team in the majors that had not been shut out the entire season. 
in a game. When you hold that Atlanta arsenal to three or four hits over nine innings, you've more than enough done your job. And you look, you look at Nola's line, only gave up two hits in six innings. Mm-hmm. You know, he walked two, struck out five, didn't have a high strikeout ratio like he do- usually does. But the fact, man, he was on point yesterday. He, he thoroughly had Atlanta's batting arsenal uh, flustered. It's a shame they wasted that pitching performance. But then you look at Elder, who was pitching for Atlanta. I mean, he was on the hill for seven seven innings. He threw 99 pitches. And you look at him, he had, what, six He had six strikeouts, two walks, no earned runs, and only gave up three hits. Three hits. You know, those are the kind of games, those are nail biters. You sit there biting your nail, waiting for something to happen. You're waiting for Schwarber or somebody to hit a bomb. Or somebody like, you know, uh, uh, Turner or, you know, Bryce Hunter to hit a clutch double in the gap somewhere. Didn't materialize, you know. And unfortunately, it imploded on the Phillies in that 10th inning um, and, and wasted that outing by Nola. But to me, that was a great game for nine innings. I'm ticked off. I missed most of that game. I picked it up in the 10th inning. I was going to say, you got off just in time to see the Braves get five runs. Yes. That timing was good for you. Not if you're it a was, Phillies fan. No, you said you like pitching better. So you probably ticked off. Yeah. They decide yeah. to start scoring once. The uh, big pitching fan gets in front of a TV and says, what the hell happened to all this great pitching these last uh, three hours before I got off the air? The Phillies pitch starting pitching staff has pitched unbelievably as of late. Um, you you look at Wheeler's last several outings. Look at Suarez has done over his last, um, his last four, four outings. Walker has pitched well. Yep. And for the most, and for the most part, the bullpen has held up. Every now and then, one of the guys like Soto might have an off inning. But for the most part, and look look at what the bullpen did yesterday when they came in and was called upon to continue to have handcuffed. I mean, Kimbrell, Soto, you know, look uh, you know, look at what they did yesterday. And then it came down to Marte. And I don't blame Marte for what happened yesterday. I mean, Kyle Schwarber, and he's the first to admit it, you have to make that catch in left field. You have to. That's a routine fly ball. You have to make that catch because what happened? That's when the floodgate opened. You know, Atlanta had gotten one run. And, of course, the Phillies came back and got one run in the bottom of the 10th inning as well. Who knows? They could have won it in the bottom of the 10th or the game could have extended beyond to another inning and it might have ended. When that happened with Schwarber, that opened a floodgate for Atlanta and they took advantage of it and the Phillies never could capitalize back on it. And Schwarber did the best impersonation of a left fielder over the last year and a half that I can remember. When it happened yesterday, it was like, yeah, I know. Schwarber stinks in left field. The fact that he hasn't stunk as much as I thought he was going to stink kind of rubs salt in the wounds when he just flat out botches one like he did yesterday. But he's bad. And he knew he's bad. I knew he was bad the day they signed him. I thought, all right, well, he's going to DH at least half of the time. What I didn't know was Bryce Harper was going to get hurt and then come back and have to be a DH. And Bryce Harper is going to come back this year and he's still hurt and he has to DH. So they get stuck with Schwarber out there playing too much in left field. He's a designated hitter ready to happen. So if you want to take shots at at Schwarber, you surely can because he's just brutal defensively in left field. When When you look at Schwarber, it's give and take. You know he has deficiencies in the field, but look at his prowess at the plate. He's not going to hit for a high average. What did he hit last year? Like less than 230, but yet he had 46 home runs. And he always heats up in the month of June. Sure enough, he's heating up in the month of June. 
his defense is still a liability. I was listening to our colleague and friend Ricky Metallico uh, last night after the game, and Ricky made a good point. Schwarber's deficiency in the field is going to expedite putting Bryce Harper back at first base and moving somebody else over to left field and putting Schwarber at DH. You know, and I've said, I don't want to rush Bryce Harper in any way, shape, or form, having to use that arm to try to throw the ball because if he has a setback, you're going to miss him for a lot of this season when you need him the most. And as inconsistent as this lineup has been hitting in clutch situations, the last thing you need is Bryce Harper's, Harper's bet out of the lineup. But they're going to have to do something about left field. But unless you put Bryce Harper back in the field, you can't just exclusively move Schwarber to DH. Here's the reason why what I think you said is accurate and a reoccurrence, a re-injury can happen anytime, but is more likely to happen if he's going to test that arm by playing in the field. And this is not going to go over well with the Philadelphia fan base. Getting Bryce Harper right in the head, I think is a very important thing for the Philadelphia Phillies because between you, me, and the stat page, Bryce Harper's having a pretty mediocre at best year. Yeah. He's got three home runs. Three. I know he missed uh, the first month they happened to see three home. He's been back for six weeks now. Yeah. And Bryce Harper has three home runs. He has less than 20 RBIs. I know he's, his batting average is okay, but he always seems to get a hit with nobody on base. If there's a guy on base, forget about it. He's not getting that hit. His, his average with runners in scoring position is, is forget about the Mendoza line at 200. He's almost not on the highway. He's not even close to being in the hundreds. So there's something missing with Brad. I don't know if it's the injury. I don't know if it was the downtime and he didn't get a spring training or I need to do something to wake up Bryce Harper's bat. And if that is including taking a chance and putting him out there in the field and knowing full well, there's a downside risk. Yeah. He can throw out that thing and then we real Tommy John surgery and be gone for a year and a half. Miss all of this year into maybe all of next year, but they're all in it to win it this year and take a run. And if that means getting Bryce back out there on the field could get his head straight and he could become the clutch hitter that he was last year in the postseason, I might be willing to take that risk, D-Gun. So you're really you're willing to take the short-term game risk um, against the long-term liability? Wow. Yeah, because neither know. one's a given. Neither one's a given. Considering he may got... go into the field and never hurt himself and it'd be perfectly right. fine. Yeah, but when you go out there and uh, you put him in the field and he doesn't hurt himself, but Jody McDonald's read of that'll get his mind straight doesn't work either, and he's still not hitting clutch. I both both are I, 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 I get what you're saying. You're right. There's pluses and minuses to both equations, but if that dude goes down for a year and a half, and people are going to be screaming about you paying him a three hundred million contract, and now he's had mm-hmm. Tommy John surgery, you know how it is. If you do or you don't, people are going to scream either way. Bryce Harper right now is pressing at the plate. He's And I brought this up to Rob Ellis a couple of times over the last few weeks. He's swinging at pitches you normally don't – and I'm talking about pitches way out of the zone. You normally don't see Bryce Harper swing at. And I think he's the first to tell you that he's struggling at the plate. He hasn't hit a home run since May 25th. I mean, think about that. 
we're approaching the end of June and Bryce Harper has not hit a home run since May 25th. His batting average is sliding, but you know what? The whole lineup is the epidemic. You know, think about it. And, and, and I've said this a number of times, this Phillies lineup one through nine, when they step to the plate is one of the few offensive lineups in all of baseball that puts an exceeding amount of pressure on any pitcher because there's not one batter in their lineup that you can take a, a, a breather on and make a mistake because their whole lineup can capitalize on it at any given moment. But you look at what happened in a big, big game like yesterday. Their top, their top players, was it the top, the top five hitters go 0 for 18 with eight strikeouts. Schwarber. Whereas Atlanta's top four players went four for 14 with three runs scored and two RBIs. That's the difference in the game. Yeah, but a lot of that came in the ninth inning. They were tenth inning. They weren't doing deadly till the tenth inning. And then after Schwarber dropped that fly ball, the floodgates opened. So I, I'm not getting overly excited about what the Braves did, but I will get ticked off about the Phillies. And one more thing before we hit the bottom of the hour, and I ask you an eagle question going forward. I just double checked this. I punched up the Iron Pigs stat page. Andrew Bellotti, who was a contributing member to this bullpen last year when they went right. to the World Series. They right. kind of got him off the scrap heap. Yeah, he had his ups and downs, but he had more ups than downs and more ups than I thought he was going to. He got injured. They sent him out with the Iron Pigs this month in June. Seven appearances, seven innings, six hits, no walks, eight strikeouts, ERA of 0.00. Seven seven outings, seven innings. He hasn't given up an earned run in June yet. Why is Andrew Bellotti on the Iron Pigs and Dylan Covey, for some reason, is still in this Phillies bullpen? It makes no sense to me. I can't understand because Dombrowski picked him off the scrappy. He thinks he's got to stick with him. I don't get it. Why isn't a guy like Bellotti in the pen uh, for the Phillies to use in a game like yesterday? I don't either. Um, I was looking at that as well a couple of days ago. Um, I, I think the Phillies are going to be looking at this a lot closer. And don't be surprised mm-hmm. if you see Bellotti come up in the next few weeks. You know, why is Covey here? I have no idea. Because obviously he's not helping him one iota. I mean, you're not moving Alvarado. You're not moving Soto. Obviously, you're not moving your closer, Kimbrell, to bring him up. But I do think there's a place for him in the mix to give you a couple of outs or, you know, at least one out, you know, at a crucial point of a game. Um, You're right. He was significant down the stretch last year in helping the Phillies get all the way to the World Series. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking right now. You know, I don't know what they're paying Covey, but it sure can't be more than paying Bellotti. No, they got him off the scrappy. They're not paying him. Crap, they're paying him the veteran minimum. I don't know what they're looking at with this kid, but, you know, it's time to send out the SOS. I mean, you just dropped two more games further behind the Braves. Thank goodness. You know what? Looking at it now, thank goodness they didn't play that third game because of a rainout. It, it could have been a three-game sweep. Yeah, that could have lost You know, when you all. think about it. Yeah, so um, they're, they're going to have to look at this. And, you know, the Phillies, they're not bashful about making moves if they feel like if they can make a move that can help them. So, but I guarantee you, they're watching Bellotti. And don't be surprised if you see him within the next few weeks. Bellotti last year, 54 innings, 47 uh, hits, 78 strikeouts. What's not the – why isn't the guy here? I don't understand. 
right, uh, D-Gun, I'm going to ask you an eagle question before we go to break. Then I'm going to come back and get you to answer it for me. All right. We're having fun figuring out how the roster is going to look like. What are you going to do? They still got to move in them. Are they going to get another linebacker or is Morrow going to be their starting linebacker? The rest. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill as we know it today yep don't know what other moves are going to be made but of those who are here on the 90 man right now i think it's 89 i think they got one opening slot but you get my drift um who is going to be for the philadelphia eagles this year their most hit or miss player and here's what i mean by hit or miss everybody's uh we know jalen hurts is the quarterback and aj Brown. But the guys who were on the roster, it's not a given that they're going to be contributing guys to the team. There are some guys that you think are a little bit of a long shot. There are some guys there might be a modicum of a question about, but yeah, they're going to be here and they're going to be on the roster. No, I mean the most debatable guy, the guy who it truly is kind of a 50-50 and kind of coin toss that he could do what he did previously or do more or be completely off the roster that the Eagles could go in another direction. Of okay. the 89 guys that got on a contract right now, who is the hit or miss player for the Eagles this upcoming year? I'm going to get uh, D-Gun's thought on that when we come back. I'm Jody McDonald in for Rob Ellis. He is Derek Gunn. We appreciate you streaming in to Sports Take here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank. 
the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready, all right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mama. Mama, go up, oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. Take here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jody McDonald in for Rob Ellis. No, Rob did not age before your very eyes. He's on today. He'll be back Monday. You're not Rob Ellis fans. Your buddy will be back next week. Um, Derek Gunn in the house, as always, here on Sports Take. D Gunn, I asked you an eagle opinion question before we went to break it. I'm going to yep. ask you to give me the answer now. Who is the biggest hit or miss? Make or break, relatively the same question, on the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Who on their roster is the guy that it could either go real good, you could be surprised, they could be a major contributor, or it could go bad. And even though he's been an Eagle here, was a, a draft pick, has been here a couple of years, whatever else, all of a sudden he's out of the mix. He's either not contributing and or not even on the team. Who is the most debatable Philadelphia Eagle roster player for you right now that you would call hit or miss, make or break? Well, when you and I discussed this topic on a show meeting at 11 a.m., I, I immediately gave you a name and you said, that's who I'm thinking. So I said, I'm going to go in a different direction. That's so, what minds think alike. I think we've yeah. proved that to each other here today. So yeah, when exactly. you said the same name that I was thinking, I was like, well, that's good. It makes me feel better about my selection, but it doesn't do much for conversation on the show. No. So I'm, I'm going to say Derek Barnett. Um, I think Derek Barnett's journey has been very similar to Brandon Graham's. Um, I think Derek Barnett has potential. Unfortunately, his potential has been overshadowed the last couple of years by the mental mistakes that he's made in, in terms of, volumes of uh, volume of penalties. And I think there's a place on his roster for Barnett. I really do. And if there's one thing we know about this Eagles front office, when they have players that they like, they don't give up on them easy. You know, when he became eligible uh, to look at free agency, people kept saying, why are you resigning him? Now, they didn't resign him for big, big money, no. but they felt it was important to resign him. And, I, and I'm not surprised one big. Um, and, and here's why, Jody. And I know you disagree with me about Barnett. You don't feel he's going to make this roster. No, I think there's just as good a chance. No, I think there's a better than 50-50 chance. L let me break it down for you this way. Percentage chance Derek Barnett is traded 33%. Percentage 
percentage chance Derek Barnett is cut, 33%. Percentage chance Derek Barnett is here, 33%. So two-thirds to one-third, Derek Barnett's an ex-Eagle before they play their first game this season. The only way Derek Barnett will fall out of grace with this team in, in training camp is if that knee doesn't hold up and they're forced to make a decision. If they find out that knee is not ready to go and they're forced to, to fill a roster spot in a hurry, then I think they will set Derek Barnett aside. But if he's anywhere near what he was, he has a great burst off the snap. He has one of the best bends for the edge rusher in the game. And he's shown in his career, even though he's been inconsistent, that he can put good pressure on a quarterback. I looked at Barnett's numbers, his first six years in the league. No, wait, two, four, five. His first five years in the league compared to Brandon Graham's first five years in the league, okay? So Brandon Graham lost much of the 2011 season because of an injury, his second year in the league. Derek Barnett lost all of last season because of an ACL injury. But when you can compare their five seasons, Barnett has 21 and a half QB sacks. Barnett, uh, Brandon has 23 and a half. Barnett has averaged 3.58 sacks per season, which is not a lot for an edge rusher. But Brandon Graham in his first six seasons averaged 3.91 sacks okay, per season. So they're very similar. People wanted to run Brandon Graham out of town, called him a first-round bust. Brandon Graham went into a shell. The leading people left and right on social media became a running joke. Um, and he took it personal. Derek Barnett, they want to run him out of out of town because of all the mental gaffes he had prior to last season. What did the Eagles do? Did they give up on Brandon Graham? Nope. 13 years later, Brandon Graham is still a Philadelphia Eagle going into his 14th season. That defining moment he had in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady where he, he strip-sacked Brady in a crucial point of a game, sealed – Brandon Graham's tenure in Philadelphia. He immediately became a fan favorite here, and he's played consistent. Look, it wasn't until his 13th year in the league that Brandon Graham had double-digit sacks. It took him 13 seasons. Most edge rushers automatically, the good ones, get 10. Or am I am I right or wrong? No, good, you're absolutely right. They get 10. Took Brandon Graham, and the closest he came was nine and a half, his best season prior to that. Took him 13 seasons to get double digits. Derek Barnett has the ability to get double digit sacks. And even though we've seen a changing of the guard in terms of coaches on the defense and a significant change in the complexion of the personnel on defense with the with the deletion of five players that were heavily con, uh, counted on to contribute last year, an influx of new players, free agency, and a draft, Derek Barnett is still here for a reason. And that's why I believe if that knee holds up and if he's back close to what he was being to being in 2021, Derek Barnett will be a Philadelphia Eagle. You said it was 13 years after he graduated from Michigan that Derek Barnett, uh, excuse me, that uh, Brandon Graham finally got double-digit sacks. Yes. 13 years after Derek Barnett graduated from Tennessee, he'll be back at Tennessee coaching the defensive ends on the Tennessee football squad. There's no way Derek Barnett is lasting 13 years in this league. No, Not no, a prayer. I didn't say that. Not a no. prayer. Well, you're comping Brandon Graham you... and Derek Barnett, and I'm telling you, I don't know that Derek Barnett's going to be in the National Football League this year, what? let alone six years down the road like uh, Brandon Graham has been. 
Uh, all right, there are some similarities to their stats. But here's the thing that Brandon Graham also brought to the table. He could play inside or out. You could move him inside. You could play him at DT. They don't do that with Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett's, as you said, a bend guy, a speed guy, an off-the-edge guy. And if you're that big and off-the-edge guy and you're averaging less than four sacks a year in your career, how good are you? How much bend do you actually have? How much quickness do you actually have? It seems to me his quickness comes more than anything else when he jumps <laughs> off sides and he takes a foolish five-yard penalty. Oh, so I I know he's a good guy. You you pointed it out. The coaches love him. See, he puts you, in effort. He's got a good attitude. Yeah, he works and plays well with others. All those things are very true. I don't want to knock the type of player that he is. I'm going to knock his production. I'm going to knock at what he accomplishes on Sunday afternoons, nights, Thursday nights, Saturday nights, Sunday Monday. Yeah, we got it. The NFL plays at all times, all days now, but. I just don't think he's got anything left in the tank, D-Gun. I think he's a goner. The best he's, the Eagles could do would be hope that he does flash a little something-something in a preseason game and or some team suffers a massive uh, end uh, injury to a pass rusher and they think that he's a worthwhile gamble and they can get something for him. By the way, and Howie Roseman, my, my, John and I talk about this all the time. He's arguably the best general manager in the NFL. Some people in this town Absolutely. will never admit to that. But the uh, offseason that he's had this year and the offseason he had the year before to help get the Eagles into the Super Bowl, just masterful. The well, dumb say, contract that he signed Derek yeah. Barnett to is going to come back and bite him in the ass. Mark my words, because when the Eagles move him this year, they're going to have to take a pretty big cap hit, which is going to eat up their available cap money. Yeah, no, Derek Barnett was a mistake as a re-signing. Okay, you you say that now because he lost the season last year due to an injury. No, I said it then. You can go back and check the tape you, on Bird 365. Were, I didn't think no, he should have no, been no, no, re-signed no. when they see, re-signed him. See, you tried to set me up. You asked me a question, and then you want to pull the Jedi mind trick on me. You talk about you Derek were the one Barnett. who said to go to Derek Barnett. We both could have said, "Hey, Quez Watkins hey. is the guy." Yeah. I would have been yeah. okay with that, but I yeah. couldn't believe that you go to Derek Barnett because I don't yeah. think he should yeah. be here anymore. Look, you talk about Derek Barnett like he's old Yeller, like the movie Old he Yeller. Is. About the past, the man is still in his twenties. The Eagles got him at a bargain basement price. Okay, they got him at a bar. Everything you just said about about Barnett is exactly the same thing everybody kept saying about Brandon Graham. Everybody, am I right or wrong? Am um, I right or wrong? There, there were similar content. Like I said, okay. Barnett could do other things. Barnett could go inside and play. Derek Barnett can't. So I think Barnett was, uh, excuse me, uh, Brandon Graham was better. But there are some similarities. You gave us the numbers, and those were okay. surprisingly similar. There, there were some similarities. I won't deny that. Brandon Graham was always a better player than Derek Barnett. Continues to be a better player. And we'll be playing for the Eagles past when Derek Barnett is an ex-Eagle. I am not in any way, shape, or form saying Derek Barnett is going to spend 13 years in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform. That's just not going to happen. But I'm talking about in terms of need and depth right now. You look at how much speed this Eagles defense has right now. You look at the edge rushers they have. Okay, Hassan Reddick is listed as an outside linebacker. Nolan Smith is listed as an outside linebacker. In terms of edge rushers, you have Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat. 
Who do you have beyond that? Janarius uh, Robinson, Teron Jackson, Matt Leo. You gonna tell me that Barnett is not better than any of those guys? Are you kidding me? Wow. Now, even if Howie Roseman decides that they're gonna go out and make another move and bring in another edge rusher, what do they like to have? Four man rotations. Are you telling me that Derek Barnett right now is worse than any of those three names that I just no, mentioned? No, absolutely okay. not. I'm not telling you that. Oh, Here's what I'm telling you. I don't tough. care what the heck they list that's on Reddick as. He's an edge pass rusher. That's what okay. he is. You want to write right. LB next to his name on a sheet of paper and yes. think that makes him a linebacker. It doesn't. They're not going to be dropping him into coverage. He's going to be coming off the edge going forward. And they I like believe the same exact rotation. thing is going to happen with Nolan Smith this year. So in that four-man edge pass rushing rotation, yes. Derek Barnett is fifth, which means behind who? Who? Who's who's the fourth ahead of him? Uh, Sweat, Reddick, Brandon Graham, three, and uh, now now you got me. Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith. Yes, exactly. Those are the four. Okay. We we assume Nolan Smith has the capabilities of being a good one, okay? We don't know that yet. We don't know how quickly he's going to get up to speed and adapt to Sean Desai's defense. We don't know what percentage of snaps he's going to play. We keep harping on the fact that, okay, the Eagles got him at a steal at number 30 in the first round. How many first-round busts historically? And I don't, I don't want people in the chat to start this mess either. I am in no way, shape, or form calling the new arrival, Nolan Smith, a first-round bust. No, you didn't say that. Okay, how many young players does it take to get up to speed and adapt from the college ranks, from a superior career in college ranks, to even being considered an average or a little bit above average professional football player at this level? Takes a little time. Okay, so with that said, and we we can talk about the quarterback position all day. Look at how many first-round busts there are in the National Football League when the mindset is if you draft a quarterback in the first round, he's going to be your future franchise uh, quarterback but then you look historically in the last, let's say, 15 years. Look at how many quarterbacks would turn out to be bust in the National Football League that were first-round picks. The list is endless. I don't know if Nolan Smith is going to be that much better than Derek Barnett right now. I'm assuming he is. He has the potential to be, but I got to see it. And like the coaching staff, until we figure it out, Derek Barnett is a safety valve. He, we, we've seen flashes of him being able to play at a high level. Again, because of that dark cloud over his head of all the mental mistakes he's made, jumping offside, unnecessary penalties, people are down on him. But Derek Barnett has potential. There's a reason Howie Roseman still has him on this roster. Plain and simple. D-Gun. Plain and simple. If, if you are in your sixth season in the NFL and they're still talking about your potential, you know what that means? You're not good enough. By the time you're six years in the league, the word potential should no longer be a descriptive adjective about you. Really? Yes. Okay, there's 32 teams in the National Football League. Every team has a minimum three quarterbacks in the league, right? Yet every team in the league does not have a true starting quarterback. So you've got more than 60% of the guys putting on a uniform, making seven-figure incomes, being quarterbacks in the National Football League that have no business being in the National Football League. And you can say that about a lot of positions in a game. Uh, Jalen Rager, uh, so on and so forth. Okay? Look at look at how many players who are stealing money. Uh, how about Nelson Aguilar? 
Did he ever pan out to be what everybody thought he was going to be? He, he had a good year with the Raiders two years. Oh, he had ago. a good year. Oh. You gotta give him that much. He, oh. he went to New England the last couple of years. You know what? No, Nelson Aguilar is going to be in the league longer than Derek Barnett. Okay. And where's Nelson Aguilar right now? Is he is is he he's still with, with the Ravens? Oh, he's like their fifth oh, wide receiver, but he's with Baltimore. Oh, so he's become a journeyman is what you're telling me. Yes, I would say that he now fits the journeyman role. And the only reason that Derek Barnett isn't a journeyman is because the coaches like him and he works hard and they keep him around because he's got a good attitude. I'm looking at at Ray Lester here in the chat. Smart man. Barnett. Now look at what he says. Barnett could start right now for half the teams in the National Football League. Has he? Derek Barnett. Has, has, who, who was it? Oh, Ray, Lester. Ray, Ray yeah. I, I hope you enjoyed the cocktail with lunch. Uh, <laughs> not happening. He is not. He, he, here's where I think Ray could tweak his 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 uh, stance and be okay. Okay. He could be in the rotation, like the Eagles. Who's going to be the starting edge players for the Eagles this year? Digun. Who's going to be the starting edge players? Who are the starting edge players for the Eagles? It's probably going to be Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat. There you go. So okay. that means Brandon Graham is not a starter. Okay. They still like to have depth. This team okay. loves But Brandon Graham's not a starter, and he got 11 and a half nope. sacks. You're and, telling me Derek nope. Barnett, who hasn't played in a year, and the year before that got all of two sacks, is going to be a better player coming into this season than Brandon Graham? Brandon Graham can't even start wait, wait, the wait, Eagles. Wait. See, there you go with the Jedi mind trick again. I didn't say he was going to be a better player than Brandon Graham. Brandon no, Graham. No, what you did was agree with Ray, who said he could start for half of the teams in the good. league of the year. And I'm you know telling why? you, you know enjoy your cocktail, Ray. Because, no, he can't. Because the product across the National Football League is watered down. In many positions, it's watered down. Okay. You're telling me that right the now. Only, the you look only at the position team. in question is edge rusher yeah. here. We're not look, talking look, about safeties or backup quarterbacks or, or running backs, which has become more than okay. that. No, we're talking about look, edge guys look, where look teams team, still put team big like bucks Arizona. into them. Derek Barnett could start at Arizona right now. Derek Barnett could go down and start at Houston right now. I'm not saying he's going to be double-digit sacks. The, the comment was he could start for a number of teams. He could. He could start well, for a number of teams. Did, 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 did. I'm not saying he's going to be double digits. Half. That means 16. D uh, gun. There are 32 teams uh, in the National uh, Football League. Uh, if you're talking about half, he can start for 16 teams. And I'm telling you, me. I don't see that. You can't, get, you can't get me. I wrote the book on Jedi mind tricks. You can't get me. You can't get to me. I wrote you're the book on not right half. I said, did, did you right. not just reread his stream quote that said he could start for half of the teams in the NFL? <laughs> no, he can't. Yes, he could. Oh, Look at the teams in the National Football League. I, hope, I hope you're getting the agent 2, 2.3% cut for taking look, his back look, the way you're doing today. You missed my point, though. It took Brandon Graham. And Brandon Graham's my guy. Anybody who knows me know Brandon Graham's my guy. Yes. And Brandon Graham will tell you himself. It took that man more than a decade to hit double digits in sacks, and everybody loved Brandon Graham. But also everybody hated Brandon Graham back in the day, the first four or five years of his career. And that's why I said, let me go back to my original, original statement. With Derek Barnett, it's a similar journey to Brandon Graham. People, people want to chastise Derek Barnett because of the mental mistakes he's made, yes. But he's still good enough to be a fit on this team in a rotational situation. Brandon Graham has told you openly, and he was on the show Tuesday, and he admitted it again. 
he expects his numbers to be reduced. So who's going to fill that gap? Derek Barnett is here at a bargain basement price. Knows the organization. The organization likes him. He's still here for a reason. That's why he will be a contributor to his team if that knee holds up. See, that's what I said. You try to twist everything I said. I, you, the guy again, that's going to get the guy that's going to get those less uh, uh, BG snaps is going to be Nolan Smith. It's not going to be Derek Barnett. All right. So who's your guy then? And let me put the question to you. The question you asked me: Who's your guy? Oh yeah, uh, that's where we started when we had the pre-show meeting. <laughs> Both of us said at the same time, Quez. Yes. Because I really do. This is make or break for Quez. I agree. Because this is the last year of his contract, fourth year of the rookie deal, had uh, played. Usually you like to see the guys progressing and getting better and their numbers to go up. And you yep. knew coming into last year, Quez's numbers were going down for one reason more than anything else. They got A.J. Brown. And, yeah, they're going to throw the ball more to A.J. Brown going forward than they are to Quez Watkins. So you knew the gross numbers were going to come down. Yep. Quez didn't make the plays on contested balls. He had that big fumble against Washington downfield, let himself get stripped. Yep. He's just not aggressive fighting for the football. I know he can still run past most DBs in the league. And I know the coach went out of his way. John and I have talked about this a lot on Birds 365. If you never watch us in the morning here on the Jacob YouTube channel, you can. If you're a diehard Eagle fan, Johnny and I do Birds 365 every day, 8 to 10 Eastern. Um, the fact that uh, Quez got specific praise from Nick Sirianni, uncalled for. It wasn't even a question about Quez. The coach took it there on his own. He was talking about players and what they're showing. He goes, and Quez Watkins. I know Quez has heard from some of you guys who say he stinks. Well, Quez's attitude is, oh, yeah, really? I'll show you. And he's been performing at a high level in the work. You can't call it practice, coach, because it's not practice. It's just kind of activities that they do for about an hour. And then send everybody home with an ice cream. Um, the coach has really gone to bat for Quez. So he's kind of putting his own reputation on the line. Quez can either answer the call and come up big and get behind the defense and stretch him out and get a couple 50-yard touchdown catches. Or by the end of the year, that, they can actually make that a priority, getting a much better third receiver behind uh, Smitty and A.J. Brown. I really do believe it's a make or break year for Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins has too much talent to be averaging 10.7 yards a catch. He has too much speed. His numbers dip from 21 and 22. He had 43 catches in 21. He dipped down to 33. Now, granted, when you have the likes of A.J. Brown on one side and Devontae Smith on the other side and Dallas guarded for most of the season and your quarterback stepping under center, you got three guys who are potential pro bowlers every year. The fourth and fifth options in your offense – Suffer. I get that. But in shine, in moments he had to shine, especially in that Super Bowl game, Quez Watkins came up small. Mm -hmm. He dropped a pass right in his hand that could have been a game changer in that Super Bowl for the Eagles. And people can't get that out of their minds. And we saw him drop a few passes in the season he should have caught. And we saw him get out muscled against Dallas mm -hmm. in, in terms of wrestling. Okay, so all those things add up, all right? Quez Watkins has the ability to be a great receiver. In the, uh, let me change it. A good receiver in the National Football League. When you have the kind of talent he has in front of him, you get lost in the shuffle. 
the biggest mistake Quez Watkins made this offseason was going on Twitter and making a comment, bleep all of you, I'm going to show you all. Should have kept his mouth shut, gone to OTAs, go to training camp, and let the numbers speak for themselves and the opportunities speak for themselves. Now that he put that statement out there, you know how it is, Jody. Even though statement is out there anymore because he, he took it down a while later, somebody already has it in their archives, and they're going to bring it up. The first time he falters, they're going to bring it up against him and have more significant pressure on him in this upcoming season. And I'm sure the coaches, and the reason he took it down, I guarantee you, number one, head of security, and the coaching staff got to them and said, man, you better get that off your, your Twitter handle right away, all right? But it's out there, and somebody has it, and it's going to come back. Quest has the potential to be a game-breaker. With the speed he has, he's one of the fastest guys in the National Football League. Speed don't mean nothing if you don't get your opportunities, right? Quez, Quez apparently didn't learn from his uh, counterparts on the other side of the ball covering him. The tweet and delete thing doesn't really get deleted. If it's out there for long enough, no, it's no. in the atmosphere. You're never getting it back, and it's going to be brought up in uh, reference to you going forward. Yeah. Howie is not going to have a lot of patience with mediocrity. How long did he have patience with J.J. Arthur Whiteside, Nelson Aguilar, Jalen Rager, so on and so forth? Howie has learned from his mistakes. Howie was on his show last year and talked about how he had to learn. He had to grow and learn from his mistakes. He's done that. He's not going to have much patience. If Quest doesn't do it, they'll find somebody else. Plain and simple. I give Howie credit for moving off Jalen Regler as quickly as he did. I thought they were going to hang on to him for another year and try it again because they took him in the first round. They rightfully moved off him, and good on Howie for that. Quez will write his own future with how he plays this year. You're not going to get as many chances. You're not going to get as many targets. But when they come your way, Quez, you better hold on to the ball because otherwise, as D-Gun just said, in our chats, Adam's exploits makes a good point. D-Gun, you know I love you, but he's fast, but he can't catch. You need to catch the ball to be a wide receiver. Absolutely. And Quez has made some great catches. But the mistakes are more glaring than the successes. Understand, he has potential. And the Eagles are banking on the fact they're going to give this kid one more chance. One more chance to prove himself with this organization. Or he's going he's gonna to end up being like Nelson Aguilar, going to the Raiders one year, going to New England the next year, and then down to Baltimore. He's going to end up being like that with that speed. Look at some of the fastest guys in the game in the NFL who have become journeymen. Brandon Cooks, great speed. Look how many teams he's bounced around with. He's now with Dallas. John Ross, so on and so forth. All these guys with great speed. They're bouncing around journeymen. They've got the speed, but they haven't been able to stick for one reason or another. This is Quez Watkins' time to shine. And he may not get more than 40, 35, 40 catches, but if he makes significant 35, 40 catches at crucial moments and doesn't drop the football, Quez Watkins has a future in the National Football League. Yeah, last day, previous year, 43 catches. This past year, 33. You knew the numbers were coming down, but the numbers came down even more so with uh, yards per catch the year before 15, last year, 10.7. You got it, Quez. You don't have to make a lot of plays, but when you make them, you got to make them big. That's right. And we'll see if that happens right. with it this year, and that'll be make or break for Quez Watkins. So that answers the question. I asked Derek Gunn. He gave you his. I gave me mine. Uh, I think he agrees more with mine because he was going to go quiz. I do not agree with his. We'll see what kind of a season Derek right. Barnett has. We're going to revisit this in September. Oh, we will revisit it on Birds 365. If you guys want to have me over here on Sport Day, I'll be glad.
uh, Derek Barnett as the season goes on. All right, we got an hour left here on Sports Take. Um, yesterday, D. Gunn and Rob Ellis were lucky enough to have Jason Kelsey join the show. Uh, Jason said some very interesting things. Uh, I haven't heard uh, the cuts yet. I uh, was watching the Philly game. I apologize. Sorry, I didn't watch Sports Take yesterday. I had to watch the Phillies game. So I didn't catch uh, Jason Kelsey yesterday. Said some very interesting things. So we're going to play replay a little of that for you next here on Sports Take. Imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles You are listening to Sports Take Listening and watching, I should say On the Jacob Media YouTube channel He's the man, Derek Gunn 
I'm the fill in Jody McDonald for our Ellis today. And we still got 55 minutes uh, to keep you guys entertained and informed. Speaking of being informed, you Eagle fans out there were well informed yesterday by the appearance of Jason Kelsey on the Sports Tech Show. Our show is Birds 365. Ask us if we've ever gotten Jason Kelsey. The answer is uh, no. D-Guns D- 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 still got boys in that locker room. He still makes stuff happen, like getting Jason Kelsey on the show yesterday, which uh, I uh, unfortunately didn't get a chance to see. I'm telling you, I was watching the Phillies game. I apologize for missing out. But we saved all the uh, audio and video from yesterday. So we're going to replay for you. For those of you who may have missed it yesterday, Jason Kelsey right here on Sports Take with D-Gun and Rob Ellis. And you asked them about retirement. I've been wrong about Jason Kelsey, not one, two years running, that I've suggested this is going to be it. Just like you're going to be wrong about Barnett. Just like you're going to be wrong. No, 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 no. I'm I'm admitting that I'm wrong. Uh, When when I've already been proven wrong, I'm not stupid enough to try and deny it. I, I, I own my mistakes. And I've been wrong two years running on Jason Kelsey. I thought he was going to step away. I thought he was going to retire. And he just keeps rolling along. Unlike Derek Barnett, he's getting, uh, much like Brandon Graham, he's getting better, better with age. Derek Barnett's just getting hurt as he gets older. Um, but you guys asked him about retirement and what would be the tough aspect if, if, and oh, by the way, I've learned by my mistakes, I'm not predicting Jason Kelsey retiring anymore. <laughs> Jason Kelsey is the only one that's going to decide when Jason Kelsey retires. But if it is the final year of Jason Kelsey's playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, what's going to be the toughest thing about him walking away from the game? I know you think long and hard and you deliberate whether or not to come back each year. I know you've done that the last few years, and I think everybody's thrilled that you're coming back again. That's for sure. Um, How much of your decision came down to love of the game versus Man, I want to get one more of these. We came close. We came yeah. so close last year. How, how much of it was that? Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I I tried to remove as much of winning another Super Bowl as much as I can because there's so many things that go into that, right? And mm-hmm. um, you know, you got to stay healthy. You know, you, the team's got to be in the right spot. You know, you got to have things fall your way. Like there's there's a lot that goes into winning a Super Bowl, and um, I think that we are definitely going to. We're in position to compete for another one. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. We got the roster. We got great coaches. We got a great front office. We we have a lot of things necessary to do that again. And I think that that, you know, is 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 weighing on it. But I try to not let that influence it. Um, I really just, you know, the more I talk to people every year when I'm going through this decision, I probably don't, shouldn't need to talk to people anymore because they just tell me the same thing, <laughs> you know don't stop playing until you don't want to play anymore. And I'm like, guys, I, I think I'm going to always want to play. I just yeah. don't think I should be playing anymore. And they're like, well, it, Jason, whether you know it now or not, there's going to be a day you wake up and you're not going to want to play football anymore. And almost all the guys say like, do not stop until you're ready to say you're done. Cause once you make that decision, it's over you're, and, yeah. and there's no really going back. I mean, you can try and go back. Some guys have, I guess, but it's not a good situation. So, you know, just, look at it from that lens. And I think that's helped me the most. Uh, but if I'm going to go back to the Super Bowl thing, I will share this. My brother last year at this OD event, uh, we were talking on WIP and he mentioned, you know, I won a Super Bowl and then I lost a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay and losing a Super Bowl will never make you want to go back and win one, you know, that much more. 
And at the time I thought he was just saying something that was good for radio and trying to be dramatic and whatnot. But uh, man, uh, that is hit me harder than ever now uh, being on the other side of this thing and having lost one. Now, I think it, it for sure you can try and not let that be a factor. Uh, yeah. But man, the, the hunger and the desire to get back there and, and to uh, and finish it, even though it's going to be a completely new season and new set of guys, and it's not the same team, um, it, you can't help but that be a factor for sure. Mm-hmm. Jason, when you when you look at where you are in your career right now, and, you know, and you've talked for the last three to four years about the prospects of retiring, and yet yeah. here you stand. You know, I've talked to so many players, and, and it's and it's. I don't, for lack of a better word, I don't want to use the word fear factor, but for lack of a better word, is there a percentage of you that doesn't want to miss? that camaraderie, that bond that you have in the locker room with those guys. A lot of players tell me it's so hard to let that go. Even even though you know the end is coming, it's hard to let that aspect of it go. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the aspect that all the former players say they miss the most. You know, it's not the actual game. You know, it's being in the locker room. It's it's going and playing the game, but with your teammates, right? It's, you know, it's it's being around, you know, quite frankly, a group of individuals who are all – driven to be the best that they can be they're not just you know subsiding and 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 getting by like these are you guys are all in this together trying to be the best in the world of what you do that's a hard thing to come by and i think you know i've I've learned through talking to former players that that is the thing that i'm probably going to miss the most um i think that's the thing that most guys miss and um you know i i i don't and I, I mean, I think that's why they say keep playing until you can't because they know, having been made that decision already, that you're gonna, you're gonna miss that, and, and you and you don't want to let that go until you have. That's Jason Kelsey here yesterday on Sports Take. He's just such a smart dude and such a straight shooter, and you know he's not giving you any BS. He's he's talking from his heart basically every time he does. Uh, one of these long-ranging interviews like you guys did yesterday. Um, And I was glad to hear him say that he's not uber-motivated because the Eagles got to the Super Bowl and lost last year. Because what he said is right, and I've heard others say the exact same thing. You can want it. You can want it more than anything else in your entire life, specifically a center, an offensive lineman, who was a key, key element, but no one player can make that happen. You can't make that happen. Football's a 53-man game. You can't will yourself to a Super Bowl victory. It takes the entire team and the team effort. And You believe it's going to happen. I believe the Eagles are going to be very good this year, and they're rightfully the favorite to win the NFC. You don't want to tie your decision to something like that. You want to tie it to something else like, yes, you'll wake up. Let, let me turn around and make it a question to you. Do you believe that that actually happens? And if so, what's the percentage? Just one day you wake up and go, yeah, I'm not going to put the work in. I'm not going to go lift. I'm not going to go. That it it hits an individual and he says, all right, enough's enough. Loved it. Love my teammates. Going to continue to talk about it on my podcast or do announcing or whatever. I'm not giving football up, but I'm not going to the war anymore. I just can't do it anymore. You think that happens as often Absolutely. as Jason made it sound? A- Absolutely. Um, and I've covered this game over four decades, and I can't tell you the number of players that I've talked to. And the opinions do vary. 
but a good percentage of them will say, you wake up and you realize you just can't, or more importantly, you don't want to put your body through that anymore. You know, because the older you get, it takes that much longer for you to get back to where you want to be. And then it becomes more mental than physical. And it becomes exhausting mentally to train during the off season, to compete at the highest level, to hold off some young guy trying to take a spot that you want. There are some guys that hold on too long just for a paycheck. But there are a number of guys who are honest with themselves and say, I've hit the end of the road, you know. Now, they may initially go into the offseason saying, yeah, I'm going to come back and give it one more try. But then they wake up at one point during the offseason and say, you know what? I'm done with this. I don't want to go to voluntary camps anymore. I don't want to go to mandatory mini camps anymore. I don't want to get beat up um, in training camp in August, the hot summers of August. It's time for me to look for something else to do. But here's, here's the interesting thing. And Jason Kelsey, but in no way, shape, or form, falls into this category. There are a number of players who fear taking that leap of faith into life after being a professional athlete. You figure the percentage is small to make it to begin with. It's like 1% out of all the guys who play football or any sport that actually make it. But you've mm-hmm. played this game that you love from the time it's Pop Warner to high school to college and you live the dream of being drafted by a team in the National Football League, and you want to see how long you can hold on to that and get those free perks and make that kind of money that the average person will never see in their lives for as long as you can. And then once you all of a sudden wake up and you're 33, 34, 35, you haven't prepared for life after football, and they're scared to take that leap of faith because they don't know what they want to do after football. And in a profession where the the statistics show that 80% of the workforce ends up broke after they're done playing in a profession where the average lifespan is three and a half years, you're not prepared because you know you're not going to make that same kind of money that you're accustomed to making for a short amount of time. You know, for every Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes who are making three, four, five hundred million dollars, this is a lot of guys hovering around a $1 million mark. And they don't, they don't make it. And what do you do? There's a big fear factor there. And Understood. So when I at, yeah. I, when I look at a Jason Kelsey, it's not about the money. It's not about the ring. And right now, it's that struggle of that camaraderie. That's the thing he'll miss the most. Being in that locker room, huddling with these guys. You know, and because when it's gone, it's gone. It's gone, Jody. Understood. Uh, But, and you guys rightfully followed up after the bit that we played for you. You talked about his after retirement. If and when the decision comes down and he does walk away, he's going to be just fine. Because while he's still playing, he has already become a member of the media. His New Heights podcast with his brother is one of the most listened to podcasts in the whole sporting universe. So he's already doing well. I know a little bit about podcasts. I know most of them you don't make a whole hell of a lot of money on. Some people have made it into an unbelievable industry like Bill Simmons. Uh, But uh, Jason Kelsey doing pretty well for himself and his brother already with their New Heights podcast. Already having success. That's going to be a source of income when he's not making his over $10 million to play Eagle Center. He'll be just fine. 
And I really appreciated the answer when you guys talked about him being a member of the media after his retirement. In all the years I've known you, I've said two things. Number one, when this man steps in front of a microphone to speak, speaks with passion, speaks with honesty, and is always insightful. But number two, he's not one who actively seeks the camera like some players do. They love being in front of the camera. So I have to ask you, who talked you into doing a podcast? Well, sorry about that. Um, my brother and I have talked about it for a while. I think that it's always been something that we've we've kind of toyed around with. We, we've always tried to figure something out that we can do together. Yep. And, um, you know, whether it's a game show, like we've had so many different ideas, right? And, um, you know, I think a podcast seemed to be the easiest because you can do it remotely. Right. You don't have to be in the same space. It, it, it offers the most flexibility. So we've thought about it for a number of years. Um, his team, uh, A&A management, has been trying to facilitate kind of a way to make that happen. Mm. And kind of got linked up with the right crew uh, that, you know, it all kind of, all the pieces just came together. And um, I think we felt more comfortable also seeing other players do it and have success and not, you know, a big worry about starting the podcast was, you know, how the season doesn't go well, this ain't going to go over well, especially right. in Philadelphia. Like right. you're going to see blowback from it. Yeah. Um, so I think we were both pretty confident with how we were going to, our teams were going to do, um, we J Draymond Green was fresh off of starting his podcast and going yep. to the finals in the NBA the year before we did it. So there was a lot of stuff that was like, you know what? It, it's worth taking a stab at and getting it going. I reached out to Chris Long, who obviously oh, yeah. played with for a couple yeah. years. Yep. And he uh, he was like, man, my, my biggest advice is start it while you're still playing. Yep. You, it's going to gain so much traction quicker if you do it while you're still playing. And uh, glad I certainly heeded that advice. You, you've had a lot of like pinch me moments in your in your life. I mean, certainly the, the playing Travis in the Super Bowl and how crazy that was. But when yeah. he was hosting SNL, <laughs> and you you were great too in your your cameos that you made. <laughs> that was was there a, is there ever a minute where you're sitting in the seats and you're like, dude, my brother's on on, on the stage right now giving a monologue for Saturday Night Live? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, it, it it was very surreal. Um, you know, that's obviously such an iconic show that we all grew up watching, um, and you know. I was, first of all, flabbergasted when he told me he was offered to host it, right? And I'm like, wait, they want you to host Saturday Night Live? Like, is this real? <laughs> um, but then it kind of hit me again. We were doing uh, one of the rehearsals, right? And this isn't even the dress rehearsal. I think this is the, the uh, kind of running through the monologue the night yep. before yep. the dress rehearsal and show. And he comes out and he starts crying. And I'm like, what is going on? And I asked him after, so he kind of composed himself, finished his monologue, and they're getting set for the next deal that they're going to practice. I'm like, what? You all right? What, what kind of got you? What was it? And he said, dude, when I, I was back there, and I guess I didn't know this. I don't know if you guys know, but that little door that they come out of, that all the guests come out of where the band's playing. Yeah. Well, a lot of the hosts and people that have been there throughout the history of the show have signed it and written things on it. So like wow. he's back there getting ready to come out and he's seeing like Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, like all these like iconic people. And I think it just all hit him at one time. Wow. Like, dude, I'm about to be on a stage and on a show that is like an, such an epic scale and just seeing all those people, uh, I think really just all hit him. 
Fun stuff. I had not known that stuff about uh, signed walls on the back of Saturday Night Live. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and it was his brother, but uh, they incorporated our Eagles Kelsey into it. He has lived a, a pretty cool life. You got to give your uh, the nod to Jason Kelsey for what he's done, what he's achieved in his career. And oh, by the way, I had a uh, great guest. God, oh, shoot. I'm getting old. I forget names. Uh, his Cincinnati coach, when he took over, when Jason, when, oh, I don't even remember the years now, but he had both of the Kelsey's there and um, uh, they brought in outside advisors to help them mold team activities and team trust and whatever else. And the coach was just in love with uh, Jason and thought he was the leader and they were going to bend over backwards. And Jason wanted to know, could he work on fullback skills? Cause he thought he was going to be undersized as a center in the league. And he said, Jason, I hate to tell you, you, you you'll be good enough to make the league. You're our center. We're not going to hand you the ball. No, you're our center. And we'll make sure you get the, and he did. But they did these team activities and met in meetings and whatever else. And uh, after the coach got to meet with the, the team motivator and the evaluator, he said, yeah, your leader is Kelsey. And he said, uh, see, I knew he didn't really need this stuff because I could have told you Kelsey was he's our center. He, oh, no, not the center. The, the other guy, the tight end, the guy who he had to turn around and suspend for the team because of smoke and marijuana. He said, oh, no, they follow him. Oh, they follow the center, too. But truth be told that, yeah, his brother, Travis, is the guy who really is the leader. So uh, that family has had one hell of a ride that was capped by the Super Bowl this past year. Think about it. A mom and dad are going to have two sons that are going to end up in the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, that's phenomenal. That doesn't happen often. Um and I think the brother has brought out a different personality in Jason and helped him loosen up. I think it started with Jason with that epic. And I mentioned this to Jason yesterday on the show. I think it started when he had that epic speech at the art museum after they won the Super Bowl <laughs> after the 2007. That speech will forever be a part of Philadelphia uh, legend. It would be a legend forever in this, in, in this city. And I think that kind of opened the doors. And, of course, his brother being his brother, more animated, more colorful. And now that they're doing this podcast together, I think that's really opened up a side of Jason that maybe he kept guarded a little bit more so than he does now. But when you listen to Jason Kelsey speak about anything, he speaks with so much passion and, con and conviction to whatever he's talking about. And he's so insightful, so, so intelligent, and well thought out when he speaks. Um, he always gives you... You know, like us in the media, we're always looking for something from a player or a coach that we can gravitate towards and use for conversation for, for one of our shows or any given show. Jason Kelsey always gives you something you can hold on to for discussion down the road. Both of these young men have had uh, tremendous lives, tremendous careers, and uh, we're lucky enough to have Jason Kelsey with us here for at least – one more year. So, all right, before we take a timeout, I'm going to put you to the test here, Mr. Gunn. You want to be wrong like Jody McDonald? You want to prove that you don't know what Jason Kelsey's going to do? You're going to go on the record and say, 
nah, this isn't the last year. 2024, we're still going to gonna get him back on the show again. We're going to be listening to the podcast. He's going nowhere fast. They're going to have to pull him out by his jersey and throw him out of the Novacare complex. Or do you think he's going to walk away and finally say, yeah, I put my body through enough. He's got success written on him after football as well. Is this going to be Kelsey's last year as an Eagle? After listening to what he said yesterday, and after this, and after us listening and debating whether he was going to retire for the last three to four years, because he put it out there, and he's still here, being the the engine that drives this Eagles offense from the trenches. I'm going to put it like this. If he gets through this season relatively unscathed injury-wise, even if they don't win the Super Bowl, if you're asking me to put dollars and cents to it, I would say don't be surprised if Jason Kelsey comes back in 2024. He is a coach on the field. He loves playing the game. He love he still loves being around the guys in the locker room, the camaraderie, as you heard him mention, and all that good stuff. And I believe that Jason Kelsey could come back again in 2024 and still play at a high level to the point he would be considered one of the top two or three centers in the game a year older and a year wiser. So after he's fooled us for the last three years in particular, I'm not falling for anything again beyond this season. Yeah, I I made you answer the question. I'm not answering the question because I've looked like a fool two years running and I'm not going to do it again. But I will say this. I think a major determining factor is going to be something that he doesn't want to think about. The Eagles, God forbid you ever bring it up in their presence, they get annoyed. He's been lucky in that he's not gotten injured. No. He's played all these consecutive games in a row. He's as tough a guy as they come because we know how much he's played with in pain. But sometimes you get hurt. You can't play. They're not going to let you out onto the field. No, sorry, you're out. You're on the injured list. You can't play. He's never dealt with that. It's always been injuries that it was a pain tolerance thing. How much pain could he put up with while playing? And, of course, he plays through it all. There's a little luck involved. Not all luck, but there's a little luck involved there. Only John McMullen tells me all the time, the Eagles don't want you ever using the word luck. Nothing is luck. It's it's pre It's your hard work. That it's all uh, control. Well, there's luck in every facet of life, including not getting injured on a football field. That could be the thing that actually costs him. If True. he suffers a pretty big injury this year and misses time and knows not only does he just have to keep up the snuff at his advanced age playing his position. Oh, by the way, you got to rehab the injury and get good enough just to get to the point where you get back to the level you got to be able to play at. That that could be the thing that helps make his decision for him. All right, he's D-Gun. I'm Jody Mack. And for Rob Ellis, come back. There's one more Jason Kelsey clip I want to play for you because we're talking around, this is his last year, where did he go? Who's going to be the center when Jason Kelsey does decide he needs to walk away from the game? He's been working hand-in-hand with uh, his potential replacement, Beef Jergy, who, oh, by the way, may be playing next to him. Not replacing him, but playing right next to him on the line. Uh, the guys yesterday had a uh, interesting take from Jason Kelsey 
on Cam Jerkins and where his future lies. We'll play that for you when we come back next here on Sports Day. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. Right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to look, fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. For Rob Ellis with the man, D Gun on Sports Take. Uh, final segment oh. for us. Appreciate you streaming in. Appreciate all the guys who, and gals, don't want to leave the ladies out, who contributed on the stream today. Oh, you got something you want to drop on those who will be uh, doing uh, streaming potential self effacing stuff to send to you, D Gun? You really think this is going to happen? You're going to get the folks to say, yeah, let me send in a goofy picture so D Gun and Rob Ellis can make fun of me on Sports Take. Yes, um, they, our, our crew, our crew, our regulars have been faithful for a year. Uh, they've taken shots at us every day. We have been good sports about letting them inside our personal lives and our past and stuff like that. 
So we threw the gauntlet out there, and a lot of people have responded. So I'm going to see if they live up to it. I've even had a few of them DM me and say, "Okay, what do we what do we need to send you?" So once again, for those of you joining late, if you want to this weekend, send your pictures, your past look, your present look, comparison, something you did that uh, might be slightly embarrassing to you, and send it to our new email address uh, of Sports Take Jacob at gmail.com sports take jacob j-a-k-i-b at gmail.com a lot of them have already said we're going to get on it this weekend and next week uh rob and i are going to start sifting through them and putting them on the air and it gives us a chance to critique them in their past and present lives as well it sounds like a lot of fun. I hope you get the responses that you're looking for. Uh, if it were me, I'd keep to myself. I can poke fun at you guys. You're getting paid to do this. I don't get paid to watch you guys, so no, I'm not going to give you any material to throw at me. No, 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 no. Uh, I, hope you're, I hope you're right. I hope I'm very wrong about that. You guys could have a lot of fun with that. All right. A couple of yeah, things. I'm, I don't know about where you are, but I'm looking outside my window right now. It's like a monsoon out here. No, really? Dude, it's raining hard enough. You can drive a boat down my street. Oh no, I'm I'm over here in New Jersey. Sun's out. There's no the monsoon. There's there's actual sun. It's been overcast all day. First time today I've seen the sun. Wow, we got what? weird weather. And you know when else that happened? The other right. night when the Philly game got rained out. Yeah. I I was doing stuff around the house, whatever. I knew it was going to start at 6.40. I got in front of my TV. It was just before 7 o'clock. I turned it on. They're in alternate programming on NBC Sports Philadelphia. What the hell? Because I just come from outside, and it was overcast, and it had rained, and there was a little water on the ground. But there's no downpours or anything. It was just drizzle during the day. And apparently it poured over in South Philadelphia, which is only 20 miles from my house. But I got next to nothing over here in Jersey. What, do you live in a bubble or something? Must be, I guess. Dude, I'm looking uh, out here now. It's been pouring like this for the last half hour, 40 minutes. Oh, no. I, 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 I hadn't looked outside, but now that you ask, I can tell from my little window down here in my wow. man cave that the sun is out. But... Uh, the sun is always out for Jason Kelsey, and I just remembered who it was. Yeah, I remembered because I looked it up. Who was uh, Butch Jones? Butch Jones, was okay. the coach of Cincinnati, who then went on to become the coach of Tennessee. Spent a year with uh, th- that Alabama guy who wins all the time uh, as an assistant, right. and is now the head coach at Arkansas State. So I thought it'd be great to get him on. I got him on the week before the Super Bowl. Jason playing uh, the two Kelseys playing each other. And he was good enough to come on. He invited me down. He said, Jody, anytime you want to come down to an Arkansas State game, come on down. We're building this program up. Man, he went into full coach recruiting mode. Like, I can do anything for him. Coach, I can't tackle. I can't run. I can't throw. You don't need me. I appreciate the offer. But you you can give up the recruiting thing. I'm not going to be able to do you any good. But uh, it was just a great interview. And he was a really, really, really nice and a good guy and a true coach. And he said, Man, Jason Kelsey, one of the best players I ever coached because he cared, because he was committed, because he was a teammate. And everybody pulled together. And Jason Kelsey pulled the rope as much as anybody he coached up until that point and thereafter, which is a perfect lead-in to the last clip we're going to play from you. 
for you when Jason was here on Sports Take yesterday. In talking about how much he's got left and when is he going to know and is he going to retire and is he motivated to win another Super Bowl, one thing we know about Jason Kelsey is that he's always going to take care of his teammates and he's going to do the right thing by his team and by his teammates, which includes Cam Jurgens, who last year was drafted to replace Jason Kelsey at center. When? Nobody said, nobody committed. It's going to be when it happens. When Jason Kelsey kind of decides it's going to happen, that's when we're going to make Cam Jurgens our new center. Which, oh, by the way, they drafted Isaac Sayamalo to replace Jason Kelsey at center. Didn't happen. They drafted Dickerson to replace Jason Kelsey at center. Didn't happen. Now they've replaced Jurgens at center to replace Jason Kelsey. Except Kelsey's not going anywhere this year. And Jurgens may actually be moving over to the right guard. I'm very interested to see what you guys were able to get out of Jason Kelsey yesterday, talking about his teammate Cam Jurgens. When you're in a profession where guys are constantly looking over their shoulders, wondering who's who's going to take their position, but you mm-hmm. are so secure in who you are and what you do, you go out and endorse them drafting a Cam Jurgens. Yeah, what did you yeah. see in this young man? What did you see in him? I mean, he's got a lot of tools. I mean, he's incredibly athletic, uh, very, very strong. Uh, he's got long arms. He finishes plays. He's a hard worker. Uh, I mean, pretty much everything you want to see, you saw in him. Um, you know, I first of all, I think the world of Cam Jurgens. I think he has the potential to be better than I have ever been as a center with this skill set he has. And I'm excited to watch that growth as a player and to get an opportunity here at right guard to play this year, especially. Um, but he, um, I've seen so many guys handle it the way you just said, D gun of like, who's yep. trying to take my job yep. and it never works out. Yep. It always ends bad. Like if you, if the guy's going to end up being better than you and taking your job, it's going to happen. Yep. Now you can either be, you know, pissy about it and have a bad attitude and choose not to be a functioning member of a team and help the guy uh, and be remembered that way. Or you can be a part of this and you can like, at the very least, if the guy's better than me or if the guy's whoever I am and there's somebody behind me and he ends up starting like he's going to, if he's a great player, you can either be the guy that's remembered as this guy did everything to prevent me from getting this job and didn't help me at all. Or you can be the guy that's like, Hey, this guy helped me get there. And he yep. was a part of my success and career. And I've always, like, I just, it, it just, I've seen so many guys take the wrong mindset on it. Yeah. And it, it, it just is, it's not good for the team. It's not good for the room. And it's really just not good for them. Cause then ultimately it ends up staining their kind of um, legacy. So mm-hmm. um, having witnessed that, I think that, you know, and also being at a point in my career where, quite frankly, if he if he takes my job, I'm fine with it. I think I think all of that is all of that uh, goes into it. I I read something I can't remember what it was, or it might have been on on, on New Heights. I but yeah. you um, you made reference to Howard Mudd, and and yeah. I think people forget. I'm trying. To, this is your fourth regime, right? I mean, you went Andy, Chip, Doug, and yeah. now and now yeah. Nick, right? Yeah. Yep. First of all, that's incredibly rare. But yeah. Howard Mudd was the guy who really had that faith in you from the jump. I think Howie was talking about it on your on on New yes. Yep. Yeah, that's what it was. So, but it, I thought it was really funny the way 
like Howie was like, hey, we like this guy, but calm down, Howard. The Howard's yeah. like, this dude's your starting center. And Howie yeah. was like, are you feeling yeah. all right? Like, how much did he mean to you, Howard Mudd? Oh, man, I, I, I don't know if I'm here today without Howard Mudd. I'm probably not, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, and Howie kind of said that in the interview, um, you know, Howard had it brought a new mindset of how to evaluate offensive linemen to the Eagles organization before Howard, it was all, you know, how big is this guy? How long is he, you know, all of the conventional metrics of an offensive lineman and Howard really believed that athleticism was more important than any of that stuff. You still need to have baseline levels of power, strength and size. And that helps, but more than anything, you got to have athletes out on the field. And, um, you know, he, I didn't know he was that big of a fan, I guess, when I was drafting the sixth round, the third offensive lineman taken, I was like, you can't be that big of a fan. There's other guys getting taken before me, but, um, you know, I, I knew, you know, the moment I started going out there and his response to how I was playing that he was in my corner for sure. I mean, I, I, I didn't get gifted a starting job, but I got gifted a, uh, a job to compete for. I mean, most six round players aren't even afforded, that right like right. you're you're in there maybe you get a chance to compete for a job uh down the road but for the most part you're probably a special teams guy or you're a depth guy right off the get uh, right off the um right from the get-go and mm -hmm. howard you know very early on you know said you know do you want to start you want to play this year and i'm like are you yeah of course i want to play <laughs> i didn't i didn't know that was an option but yeah i'm in and he's like well just get to know your playbook and, uh, you know, we had a guy in Jamal Jackson who was very, uh, you yep. know, had been in the league for a very long time and uh, was, you know, had proven success and a proven commodity. So it was, it, it was certainly, you know, very, very fortunate to one, have Howard in there vouching for me, but also to two, have Howard there, you know, teaching me all of these skills and, and techniques and things that an undersized player can use to his advantage and excel with. So that was Jason Kelsey on with the guys yesterday here on Sports Take. Great interview you guys did. Uh, appreciate being able to play uh, bits and pieces of it back today. All right, so I'll uh, once again put you on the spot here, D-Gun. Yep. What is Cam Jurgens' role going to be on the Eagles this year? Assuming health with Jason Kelsey, which, oh, by the way, that's not hard to do since he's always healthy. He never gets hurt. But assuming Jason Kelsey is healthy, is Jurgens going to be the right guard? Do they want to go down that road? If he and Steen play very similarly, and Howard Mudd will be the be-all judge of it, we do believe, um, and it's kind of hard to differentiate. Do you think they put Jurgens in there because – He's a year further in. He's a second-year player. Steen's a rookie. Did they hold Jurgens out because last thing we want to do is get him hurt. We want to give him the practice rep. Because Johnny Mack mentions this all the time on our show. During the year, when the Eagles had their practices, uh, the veterans get rest days all the time. And somebody needs to snap the ball when you're getting your work in, when your veteran guys are given downtime. Are you going to let Jurgens do that? Do you want him to do that? Do you want to keep him in that line? Or do you want to move him over to guard? How do you think the right guard position is going to play out for Jurgens this year? I think it's his position to win or lose uh, based on his one year of experience ahead of Tyler Steen. Mm -hmm. 
But Tyler Steen is the type of lineman that the Eagles like nowadays. If you look at everybody except the center, as Lane Johnson referred to as offensive linemen, they're like Jurassic Park dinosaurs, okay? Big guys, it can block out the sun. But Tyler Steen has a year ahead of him. And the way um, Jeff Stoutland cross-trains his offensive linemen, even if he started at right guard, they'll easily slide him over to center if Kelsey got hurt and then slide somebody else into the right guard spot. Um, I think it doesn't make a difference who starts at right guard. When you're playing against, when you're playing next to two Hall of Famers, one at right tackle and one at center, it is a tremendous help in terms of helping players make the transition and being comfortable um, and helping cover up maybe some of their deficiencies. So I think it's Steen's position to win or lose. Um, he's going to get a push eventually from Steen. Uh, I'm sorry, I think it's Jurgen's position to win or lose. He's going to get a push eventually from Steen. But but going in, um, I, I look, I'd be surprised if, if Jurgen's is not the starting right guard. I'm on the same page with you. Um, I think that experience counts. And we've all seen Stoutland University at work and how he just develops these guys and helps make them better players and gives them the right guidance and the teaching and the coaching up and everything else. And he does like flexibility, but he also likes success. Stout's going to play the best guy. It's going to be a competition. I believe that Jurgens goes with a leg up because of the extra year. But if Steen is better, he'll go with Steen. He's not going to just play Jurgens because he's a year older. Right. He's going to have to be a year older and better, which he may very well be, but we won't know until they get a chance to show their wares. And they actually do some practicing in camp this summer. And look at the depth and the versatility they have along the offensive line. We don't even talk about Sua Opeta anymore. And Sua Opeta is, is a decent fill-in for this team. And he's been here a number of years. But, you know, you can plug him in at guard, center, or tackle, you know. Um most teams don't have that kind of luxury. And, and most teams, when a frontline guy goes down, especially a tackle, um, you see a significant drop-off. Now, last year when Jack Driscoll had to fill in for, for Lane Johnson temporarily, you saw a glaring weakness on that side, but they corrected that problem. But the fact that they have so much depth and versatility in the offensive line is a luxury most teams just don't have. And so people say, well, why do you have your offensive linemen, you know, cross-training at all these positions? Well, look at how many offensive linemen get hurt across the board in the National Football League. You gotta, you gotta have guys ready to go. And when these guys step in for the Eagles, that train keeps moving, especially in the run game. That train keeps moving. And that's kudos to, 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 to Jeff Stoutland for what he does and for the organization for bringing in a certain type of player to be a part of it. All right, uh, we're running out of time here. I've had a hell of a lot of fun doing the show with D-Gun. First time you and I have ever got a chance to do co-host the show together. I've been on your shows. You've been on my shows. Yeah. But we were actually doing a co-host thing today, which I had a hell of a lot of fun. And I'm going to take a chance here and just absolutely positively potentially blow it up. Uh Uh-oh. While we were playing the Jason Kelsey interview, what were you snacking on? Oh, uh, it was a piece of a uh, Hershey chocolate bar. Okay, just checking. Because for those of you who weren't watching the other day when 
Gun came on our yeah. show you on Bernie 365. I suggested while we were waiting, right before we punched him up, the D gun was snacking and nope. it was 9 20 in the morning. Yeah. And it's I swear to God, it looked like he was eating chicken wings. No, nope. nope. he was just standing there you going like this. And I'm I said, is he really eating chicken wings at 9 20 in the morning? We know he is the grilling king. Uh, all you gotta do is follow him on social media, and you know how good he is at doing the whole grill thing. And I did he really grill chicken wings and start eating them at 920 before he comes up bird 63 and he denied it. Just flat out denied it, said didn't happen. I wasn't eating, don't know what the hell you're talking about, McDonald. I swore I saw it with my own two eyes that he was eating chicken wings at nine o'clock in the morning. But I, I told I you that. Him today and he and he fessed up. So now I think I need to apologize because he didn't try and go, no, no, I wasn't eating. What are you talking about? I could see in the when they scrunch up the screen, I could see up there in a the little corner popping in. I'm drinking my uh, colored water in my pink glass. So uh, we understand we're seen by the people as we're doing the show. You did fess up to it. So now I have to say, I apologize. Derek Gunn was not eating on Birds 365 the other day. I think uh, the other day it was early morning delusional on your part because that was not. I was on my third cup of coffee. I thought I had, I thought I had already rounded in the form by nine twenty. The uh, show was an hour and twenty minutes but you in. Caught, you caught you caught me this time. And, and Rob always says, "Diga, Rob, Diga, what are you snacking on now?" Hey, look, man, I don't eat usually before this show, so I get up at like eight thirty nine, get the dogs out, feed the dogs get a morning cup of coffee, and then get ready to do the show. Show meeting and then the you show. Don't, you don't need Man, breakfast around two, 12 o'clock? Hey, look, when it gets around when it gets around 2 o'clock, stomach starts growling, man. I just have a little snack standing okay. by good, to get me good. through, you know. Good idea. And it helps you wake up as well. So, yeah, you caught, you caught me this time. For birds 365? Oh, I get up at 620, and I eat a bowl oh. of cereal every morning. I can't function. The coffee is nice. I couldn't do it without yeah. the coffee, but, right. oh, I got to have something in my stomach. So I have breakfast every day. Same thing, cereal. But uh, I have cereal every day at 620 in the morning. And what, kind of cereal, what kind of cereal are you eating? <sighs> Between you and me, I cut it. The heart-healthy Cheerios, which I'm supposed to be eating. Okay. But I throw a little Frosted Flakes in there every once in a while. Oh. I throw a little uh, tricks in there every once in a while. The wife doesn't like it. She gives me a hard time. So I'd say three-quarters the heart-healthy Cheerios, but a little, little, little sugared cereal on top. I okay. have mixed, mixed cereal every single day, All which right. makes me just weird. But that's okay. okay. I've right. always been weird. All right, D-Gun, you going to be watching the Phillies all weekend? Absolutely, rain permitting. I mean, oh, it's supposed to rain yeah, you say weekend. it's pouring out over there. It's still sunny here, not in Philadelphia, in South Jersey. I got the sun coming through my window. Yo, raining here, man. I got, I got boats. I got guys paddling by in boats where I am. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. Uh, well, it's supposed to rain all weekend. Yeah, it's supposed to. Be, uh, at least uh, general forecast. Yeah, we're going to deal with rain all weekend long, and who knows? Maybe they get another one punched out. They got to beat the Mets. Minimum two out of three, right, D-Gun? When you yeah. lose both to the Braves, you lose a game to weather, you, you now need to win all three just to have a winning homestand. If they get two out of three, at least they'll take the series against the Mets. Been a long-ass time since they took a series against the Mets. That's that's the thing. Um, you know, in, in sports, you know, Jody, every team has that one team that somehow, some way, 
for some reason they rise to the occasion, no matter how bad their seasons are going. And the Mets have been basically one of the laughing stocks in baseball this year because they spent like $500 million in free agency this offseason. Mm-hmm. And they're four games below 500. The only couple of games behind the Phillies. But this team has the Phillies numbers. It was always the Marlins and the Mets who've had the Phillies numbers. And you have to. You have to. Now, we can say the Phillies got their measure of revenge against the Dodgers. Dodgers smoked them out in L.A. They get their measure of revenge here. They won, what, three out of four from Arizona, which is a good, you know. And then they come back and they beat up on Oakland and the Nationals. And they be- let's face it, they barely got by Oakland. You know, they were close games in Oakland. Okay. Now you come home, you get you get wiped away by Atlanta. Now you got the hated Mets coming here. You have to take two out of three from the Mets. And I'm not looking, you know, a lot of people like to put, is this a must-win? No, because it's only June. It's not September. Right. But to set a standard, to send a message, to set a tone, you have to get two out of three from the Mets this weekend, man. If you get these games in, you better get two out of three from the Mets this weekend. And they have viable pitching matchups because the Philly starters have started to pick it up. Great one on Sunday. Hopefully that's yes. not a rain day. Yes. Scherzer against Wheeler. Oh, that's going to be a good one. And, and Scherzer's got a uh, an ERA over four. So he has not been Cy Young type Scherzer no. this year. No. So it should be a uh, very exciting series. All right. And D-Gun. And Rob Ellis will be here talking about it on Monday after all of the weekend's baseball action. Uh, Robbie E is going to fill in for me a couple of times on Birds 365 next week. Okay. So I did a little favorite advance and covered one of his shifts over here. It was my pleasure, D-Gun. Thank you very much for putting up with me. And damn, you're very good at what you do, except in evaluating Derek Barnett. Other than that, you got everything down. Derek Barnett, uh, I, I hope that uh, your check's in the mail because you talked him up much more than the... We, we shall see, but I must say this. It's been way overdue, but I enjoyed it thoroughly hanging out today with you, Jody. I love a great debate. Uh, helps time go by, and especially when both sides have legitimate arguments. Yes, not your side, but both sides have legitimate arguments. As always, as expected, you are the consummate professional. I've listened to you for years. I've been in this market since 1997, I've listened to you for years, and I enjoyed, you know, chopping it up with you for a while. And what a yeoman's job. You're a WIP till 3 in the morning. You get up, you do burst 365, 8 to 10, and you got to sit here and babysit me for three hours. Oh, and, and I'll be asleep. I'll be asleep in 20 minutes. Oh, One last thing. Yeah. Yeah. Over under, sacks by Derek Barnett on the Philadelphia Eagles this year. One half. Over or under? Over. Definitely over. Under. Under. Definitely right, we're on. over. We're, and on don't for, we're on for one of your little snackies that you have during the show. You're going to have to save one for me. Uh, there it is. There's the Hershey's. You're on for a Hershey's. Derek Barnett, less than a half a sack this year for the Eagles. And last and last chance, everybody, don't forget. Hey, Tone, put that, put that email up again, Tone, real quick, if you will, please. Hey, look, everybody, you asked for it. You got it. There's no excuses now. Send those pictures. Send those funny moments in your lives, embarrassing moments in your lives to sports take Jacob, J-A-K-I-B at gmail.com. You have today, tomorrow, Sunday. We will start sifting through them. Hey, Tone, do we have any so far yet already? Oh, I'm curious. You know, we got, I wonder if we have any already. None yet. 
If, if no, he gets them, yet. he will forward them to you this weekend. All right. Uh, we'd be out of time. D-Gun, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Coming up next, you got the National Football Show. Mr. Cilio joins you on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.